I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode number 24. Another episode of a gay and his NB. Thank you guys so much for joining and listening to us wherever you do, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, tell a friend, let them know that two people in the gay and MB spectrum are talking about reality television every week. Um, we're so excited to bring you another great episode. Um, we also want to make the point to know that if you love us on this episode uh, and on this podcast, um, be sure to go check out. Uh, we were recently guests on the Wrestling Mayhem show, uh, episode 858, um, that just came out this past week. Uh, we had a great time. It's my old home, my old podcast home of uh, the Wrestling Mayhem show is where I first got started in the podcasting realm. Um, so it was great to be back and great to have Merlin there as well. And we we, we had a fun chat about pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, a lot of you may know, uh, but some of you may not, that uh, wrestling is another one of our passions. And it's not one that we get to touch on here a lot on A Gay and His Envy, but... Um, you know, we, it was nice to drop by over there with some lovely friends, uh, including, um, Sorg, who is, uh, you know, uh, as the name may suggest, the head of Sorgatron Media podcast family, um, and, uh, Wrestling Mayhem Show is uh, one of our sister shows on this network. Uh, uh, another one of our sister shows is Awesome Cast, um, and we will be over there next week. Yes, talking tech and all things in that realm and, and, and vibe. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an exciting week for us. And we hope if, if you love us on here, you check us out all, in all those platforms as well. Um, but to the episode, what are we getting into this week, babe? Well, um, we have um, a little bit of a light week. You know, we're only doing one episode this week. Oh, thank God. What is that like? <laughs> Look, it's... We we love talking talking this shit with you guys, but uh, honestly, um, it's nice to get home, you know, a little early. Um, so we will be doing that tonight, or at least that is our goal. Um, but before we do any of that, we're going to be talking about Survivor. We've got episode nine of uh, season 44 this week. Um, we've got all the drama happening over on Vanderpump Rules. Ooh, I feel like every week we're saying it, but there's you stay tuned because we have a lot to say. This, this whole damn season is just bonkers. Um, we're also going to slip in a little bit of a, a cute little review of uh, Cocaine Bear and uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers once and always. Uh, we thought those were uh, not necessarily gay enough, but they sure were hella fun. It's, um, yeah, it's movie season. It's, yeah. It's, it, it, is it, though? I mean, but... <laughs> it's always movie season, but it's it's coming into summer. We got blockbusters coming out. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, I mean, I know Cocaine Bear came out a, a couple months ago, but we just got around to seeing it because it's now on Peacock. Uh, and I grew up loving Power Rangers, so watching um, this new movie that is the 30-year anniversary um, of the series is was a must for me and of course i convinced Damon to watch it with me and we're bringing that to you guys just a little bit not going to spend a whole lot of time on it but we wanted to touch on it um especially because they they are you know the whole thing was spearheaded by um david yost who uh is a member of the queer community himself he played billy on the original power rangers team the blue ranger um and um so it, it was really nice to see this come full circle, especially because he was originally uh, left the show because of bullying from the 
the uh, the crew, not the cast. The cast was always amazing, but the the crew uh, was not necessarily great. So he had to leave the show. Um, but it's nice to see him back in the Rangers family. Uh, so anyway, before we get to any oh, of that, that. There, there was a lot of stuff there. But, but before we get to any of that, uh, we are going to talk Jersey. New York Housewives of New Jersey. It's their last uh, week as they are in Ireland. Um, so there was a, it was, this episode was interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll get to sort of the dynamics, especially this has, I think there's a lot of dynamic in the whole Teresa, Melissa, Mm -hmm, Jim mm -hmm, saga, mm -hmm, this episode. Um, the girls leave dinner from the dinner from the previous episode, um, and go to, uh, the Sprinter van. Uh, Melissa left with her wine glass, which is like, they did that in, in Potomac too, when they went to the winery. And I'm just like, what is with y'all? Like, you have no decorum. Like, I, look, there are certain states and certain cities where there's no open container laws. You can drive with alcohol. Right, but then bring your own. It's not even that. Bring your own container. Like, don't steal the restaurant's container. Like, oh, they took it from the. <laughs> yeah, it was the. It was their wine glass. I completely missed that. Yeah, and and their um. What was that? And Melissa is like, we're seeing Melissa drunk, quote unquote. I'll, I'll, I don't think she was that drunk. I think she was putting it on for the effect. Yeah, Melissa's. I Melissa's drunken. She's done it a couple times where it's like this feels a little put on. But um, there uh, she can't pronounce what is it? It's the name of the episode. Salante, whatever. Uh, Slante. Slante. Um, and it means like good health, I think, or something. Or yeah, something yeah. It, it, it's basically their. Their cheers. Yeah, and she's got uh, like salami or whatever. Uh, yeah, it was. Everybody was butchered. Like the name of this episode is Slante because everybody keeps trying to say it and missing the. Like, I don't know what all they said, but there was a laundry list of things that were not that. Yeah. Um, but like we mentioned, like shout out to Charmed. It's the only reason that I know this word because oh, of the okay. leprechauns on there uh, would would say Slante Estante. Oh, to summon rainbows. That'll so, do it. Charmed. Yay. Um, and so, but like I mentioned, like Melissa's getting tipsy. Um, and Margaret's talking about how tipsy Melissa basically equals horny Melissa. Um, I mean, and she and then she makes this comment about I'm gonna drunk dial my ex and the cut to Teresa and the cut to her confessional just being like I've never seen Teresa do like this like sort of like deadpan, like sort of like comic comedic style, but like it was funny. Like, this is where I'm like, Melissa was putting it on because the whole calling your ex or drunk dialing your deck, your ex or drunk texting your ex is a, is a, you know, drunk stereotype thing that you do. So she that, was like, she lucid. was clearly playing into that. She wasn't, it wasn't like a Freudian slip or anything that they were trying to yeah. insinuate. And it was like, oh, come on. Um, so we go the next morning, uh, as they're in the castle, Melissa's basically still passed out in the bed. Um, but they're getting ready to sort of like get, do breakfast and stuff like that. Um, they kind of talk about the booger wolf comment that, uh, Jennifer made to Margaret the night before. Um, and so, and Margaret's taking it in stride seemingly. Um, Danielle's basically saying that like, you know, in her confessional is saying like, at this point, like we're at one point willing to be like friendly with each other. And then at the other point we're all like at each other's throats and it's just a roller coaster essentially. And that I'm just not going to dwell on the issues that have been spawning this. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. 
<laughs> At least in this moment, she's being wise. Yeah. There we go. Um, Melissa also has no voice from the night before. She, like she was screaming a lot. Um, but before they go out their date, so uh, Paul's mom and his sister and niece uh, come over, and we meet Paul's mom, Claire, and she is delightful. I love her. And, and, so sweet. And, like, Dolores talks about basically, like, she, when they met, like, she basically fell in love with Paul's mom before Paul, which you were saying, like, that's like a... That's a great sign. Yeah, it, it, it's really a good testament. And, and Dolores had talked in previous episodes about how, like... It, his family dynamic reminded her a lot of hers, even though Irish Italian, it's, you know, there's a, there's certain similarities. Um, and, and I love her, her and Claire hug at the entrance way and Claire going, but you're still a hussy. And then we get this whole like backstory about how, like when they were in, um, I think Dominican Republic or whatever mm-hmm. she said, um, that like, um, or no, it was probably, no, no, it was, it was the, DR. Was that DR was Melissa's story about? Oh no no no! Melissa's story was DR. Yeah yeah yeah. Um and but basically like, like having to navigate like being in the same bedroom with Paul with his family there mm-hmm. and how she basically walk of shame at one point and uh, Claire like under her breath just goes hussy, <laughs> but in a joking manner. It, it it was really cute. Um and yeah, I feel like Paul's family's real. It's like the ones that we saw back in the states and then also here like. Really like down to earth, like normal, mm-hmm. like sort of like they they're very warm. You can tell, like it just kind of radiates. And honestly, this kind of view into his family really kind of um makes me feel more comfortable about the situation mm-hmm. with Dolores and Frankie. It just because a man brought up in this environment. I am less likely to believe is pressuring her into making these changes. Right. And so at that point I can, like if this is the changes that she wants in her life, then she has every right to make those changes as long as she's making them for her. Yeah. I think that, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's what it needs to be based on. Um, and they're all talking with Claire at the table and Danielle starts crying at one point because she sees how, because Paul's sister basically makes a comment about how thankful she is for Dolores to like sort of take care of him, because obviously when in being you know detached from in different countries like right. that sort of detachment, and that basically said like Dolores, you're taking care of him over there, and like Danielle gets real emotional about like you know wa- obviously wanting that relationship with her sister-in-law and sort of in that regard, um, that was sweet, and then um, they they're talking about. Um, like the mother relationship with Dolores. And then also like Teresa sort of brings up like, Oh yeah, that's like what my mom would do all the time. Like she was just like that, especially with Melissa and like, this was really like, this felt like really genuine with like Teresa, Melissa and Melissa. This is where Melissa talks about being in the Dominican Republic with Joe and how Teresa's mom called her a putana. Um, And they (laughs) laugh about it. And it was like, and even Teresa says like, you know, you were always great with my parents. Like, and that was, I think, really genuine. And, like, and even Melissa's, like, I feel like I'm in a dream because, like, what, how is, why is Teresa, like, being so nice to me? I think, I think Teresa does value family a lot. And I think she mentions a little bit later in the episode about, like, things started really good. Yeah. When, when Melissa first came into the picture and then it just kind of spiraled. And I think, like, it, it gave me a little bit more hope than I had the rest of this season in terms of that there would be that could that there could have been a possibility 
of the mending. I don't know about that now, especially about like what we hear about what happened at the reunion. Like it seemed yeah. like it got really intense. Um, so, but it it was it was a sweet moment. I thought. Um, and Dolores gifted Claire the uh, cl- uh, calendar, the photo shoots that all the husbands did for the mm-hmm. the baseball game. <laughs> she was so shady. <laughs> Claire going, so do they think they're hot? <laughs> and and then she like just pulls up Frank's picture and is like, so this is your ex, Dolores? And she's like, yeah. And Claire pulls a face like, really? <laughs> <laughs> she was great. Um, yeah, more of Claire. I, w- I would love to see more of her. Um, so, uh, Jennifer talks about how she's organizing a sense what they call it a hen party, but it's basically a bachelorette party of sorts. Right. Um, for Teresa. Um, and that, uh, she's, they're doing it on this farm essentially. Um, they all get in the sprinter van. Um, Rachel, Rachel has been like trying to like, she made that one cutting comment last episode about like the blood pudding, blood pudding being rat blood or whatever, which we really loved. Mm -hmm. But here she tries to go for it again in the sprinter van. And it's just like. You know, I really enjoyed the trip and getting to bond with you guys more. And I really enjoyed being called a rat. And, like, everyone kind of, like, deadpans her. Like, doesn't, like... It was yeah, like, it's, it's, one, it's been one too many at this point. Yeah, it's like you're trying a little too hard to, like... like yeah. And I get it. Like, being called a rat is basically, like, being called the C-word in Jersey or whatever. But it's, like... It, it just felt like... I just feel like at this point, like, you can still be upset about it, but maybe leave it alone for now. Yeah. Um, so they arrive at a Cossie Farm, I believe it's called, um, where, they, where Jennifer's organized this. And then we see Peter, who's the activity guide, essentially, or, uh, for this all stuff. He was very cute, I thought. Mm-hmm. And he was giving me, like, not, he wasn't going full Pepsi, but, like, he was, like, I, he was, in terms of, like, these activity guides for housewives things, like, he was, I I wouldn't mind seeing him on a girl's trip. Yeah. Like, you, there were some good moments later, too. Um, and basically, he's going to guide them through the activities. And they start by playing Catch the Cock, which I guess is like a traditional... Mm-hmm. They were implying that, but I was like, I'm pretty sure you guys don't call it Catch the Cock. I think that's very, like... I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, basically, they have to basically, like, gra- try to catch a chicken or whatever in, these, um, in this uh, pen. Specifically, the rooster. There we go. I mean, that's... A, yeah, yeah. Catch the Cock. Um, and, and Dolores being like, I'm not pointing any fingers, but that shouldn't be a problem with these girls. Um, Teresa, uh, decides to do it with Melissa cause they have to go in in pairs. And I love Melissa going, I mean, I already catch your brother's cock. Like we, we, that, that was already implied. We didn't need the, there were a lot of like, there were so many like cock, like everyone, this was like. That's so many cocks. A three-minute stretch for everyone to get their cock jokes in. Because then Peter's like, okay. So, oh, because they were like, so what do we do after we grab it? And he's like, oh, you can just stroke the cock. And then Jen <laughs> Fessler goes, yeah, does he like it like right above the balls? <laughs> uh, um, Danielle is like really afraid of animals, apparently, we find out. and is she? Well, she's like, I'm not really afraid of animals. I'm just skied by them. Like, they lick their balls and stuff, which like, okay. I'm sure some of the husbands in this uh, group are not far behind in that. So I mean, um, Rachel tries it, and one basically tries to peck at her, and she like freaks out. It's like I don't want to chase the cock anymore. That was a fun line. <laughs> um, you know, and then Margaret does it with Danielle. Uh, to sort, and Danielle's also obviously freaking out. And Margaret goes, "I mean, the girl's from Staten Island. I'm sure she's met a lot of animals." 
So I mean, not that not that far off. Um, we then go to the next activity, which this was. I was getting like, oh, like this is what I you know. As annoying as Teresa can be, and she can be very fucking annoying and like stressful. Like she, her story across this show really like is, I would say, top notch of any housewife in terms oh, yeah. of just like the things that have been like going through. So basically, they basically do this painting activity where basically all the women have to basically paint a moment in Teresa's life and essentially like sort of tell Teresa's story through art, essentially. Uh, and Teresa like immediately starts crying and is like, because she's like, it makes me immediately think of jail. And then she's like, please don't draw any bars. And they're like, no, 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 only good stuff. Um, and like, but you know, it, she has had quite the journey in like the 13 seasons of this show. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, insane how much she's been through. So, and Teresa also, so she leaves as they go do the painting and we kind of get sort of like also why like the emotions are coming up for her for like the jail stuff. And like, I mean, for, for obvious reasons, obviously, but like she talks about how like, and she kind of really eloquently speaks about like that the trauma of it kind of comes from the moments that she missed with her daughters in particular. Like she missed like her certain daughters, like eighth grade graduations and like moments in their life and that she basically, and she says like, I chose to basically block it in my head to act like it didn't happen. So I don't have to sort of encounter that, which I think is very astute on her part, but I I also, it's not healthy. No, it's not healthy. Well, we'll, and we'll get to it later where I think like, that's the, that's also the overarching issue with all three of the people in this family dynamic. Like I think it's a thing that they all do, which doesn't help things like, they don't, they're not willing to kind of um, confront things in that way. Um, but also this speaks to how, like, great uh, Peter is the guy because he brings her a puppy to, like, basically, like, soothe her in that way. That was really cute. And I was like, that, that was the moment where I was like, okay, that, you know, you, you know what you're doing. Um, Jennifer is painting the table flip, which, like, she's like, it's the most iconic, you know, moment in terms of her life, which it is. I mean... Like, it's not the, like, you know, it's not this, like, big sentimental thing, but, like, it is the thing that, like, put her on the map, I guess you Fair. could say. Like, she, everyone's talk, everyone always talks immediately about, like, the table flip. And especially, not just in terms of her, but I would say in terms of housewives. Like, that's the thing that, like, most people, like, link to, you know, what Real Housewives is, necessarily. Yeah. Um, so they're going through all the paintings that they made, and Melissa basically painted... Um, a th- tribute to her family coming to from Italy and immediately starts crying and like gets emotional about it. Teresa comforts her, um, you know, and and this is and Teresa also crying in her confessional about it. And this is where I was mentioning like she says that like that everything started so beautifully with them, and now it's just like sort of spiraled. Teresa and then also talks about how seeing Paul's mom Claire got her emotional and like really you know putting things in the perspective for her. Uh, this is okay. So this is where I get, you know, you know, she's like, I, Melissa basically is like, you know, I think it's best that we don't go down memory lane on certain things. And Teresa agrees. And then Melissa, go, and, but that's the thing. It's like, let's not go down memory lane. And then Melissa's like, well, and that's why I didn't like you bringing up Antonia's name on the bus. It's like, okay, but that's like, this I know is it's going down memory lane. I know it's recent memory, but like same, you know, yeah. if you're going to forgive, forgive. And then this is when like, 
So Teresa basically is like, I wasn't trying to say anything negative about Antonia. I have so much respect for you and your family and all that stuff. Um, and then Teresa suggests, like, you know, I, need, I want you guys to be a part of the wedding. Um, what if Gino walks Adriana down the aisle, essentially? Um, and then this is where I was, we were kind of uh, discussing, like, what this was like. You this know. is another one of those, um, I don't need that kind of help, Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer basically goes, like, you know, so you basically saying you want them all in the wedding. And then Teresa goes, I mean, I just want peace and happiness. And then Melissa immediately, like, sort of, like, is like, okay, yeah. this is a... But because if Jennifer hadn't brought that up, my because I, I was mentioning it to you when we were watching this, it's like the second that Jennifer says that, anything less than that is now Teresa being a jerk. Yeah. And it's like, that's not fair because Teresa was extending a genuine olive branch. And sure, maybe it wasn't quite the olive branch that was expected or wanted, but it was still an olive branch. And I think that if Jennifer hadn't butted in, then this could have been a healing moment. And instead, all this did was underline the division. Yeah. And well, and I think like, I also feel like Teresa's response to it was also from based around this whole idea of like, I, and I've said it, I feel like Melissa has also put Teresa in an untenable situation to where you, she basically, say, basically says anything that she does is for her is because she's saving face. It's not yeah. out of good intention, whatever. And so I do think that there becomes a defense response when you're Teresa of like, like I, I felt it was coming off as her being like, well, I'm not trying to like, you know, make a ge fine gesture. I just want to be happy. I, I just want everyone to be happy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it felt like she was couching it yeah. to like show Melissa that she doesn't like that. It's not for show and it's not like performative or whatever. That's the sense that I got from it. Yeah. Maybe I'm I mean, naive, but I, I honestly felt like it would have been fine if if Jennifer had not been there or if Jennifer had not said something. Right. I think that they could have had a good moment. It could have been, you know, Melissa would have recognized that as the genuine moment it was instead of a dig. Yeah. And because it would not have felt that way if it hadn't have been recontextualized. Right. Right? I just I don't know. I'm it's it's so hard to watch them go through this. Because you know, as a viewer, the answer's right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so like obvious. you, you guys keep dropping the ball. There's not like it's not like the ball is hard. There's handholds. It's not covered in olive oil or anything. What are we doing? Yeah, like it's it's an easy to grab thing, and we keep dropping it. And I don't understand why. And I just it's frustrating. Yeah. So, um, and Melissa is in her confessional basically being like, okay, so this is just complete nonsense what she's doing. And that, you know, is she even asking? She's just, you know, she, at this point, she's just barely asking. And Melissa basically is like, we're not going to be your props in the final hour of this. Which, again, I think is like her saying, you're doing this performatively and you're like, you don't care about mending the family. You just want us to be in the wedding so you don't look like an asshole. And like, I think, like, again, we've said it before. I don't blame them necessarily for feeling that way when you have the traumatic relationship you have. Yeah. But at a certain point, 
like either, then you don't want the relationship. Like then yeah. it's not anything well, to like repair. I, I, again, I don't seeing how they reacted on this, like having real moments of kinship and love for each other. There's clearly a desire there for a good relationship. They just don't know how to get there. They yeah. don't understand what's in their way. They don't understand that they're standing in their own way. Right. And I think maybe ter- like, and when I say this, maybe Teresa feels this underneath. But I also get the sense from what Melissa and Joe also says a little bit about it later too, like where I get this sense where it's just like, I don't think you guys think Teresa's a good person. Yeah. At the end of the day. And that I'm not saying you're necessarily wrong, but I'm just saying if that's your starting ground, like what's the relationship that can prosper from that? Like you can't like, like, you know, and, and like I said, maybe Teresa also thinks that underneath, but I also think like, even though she has said some terrible things, even this season, like, I think that she's also prefaced, like she couches it a lot in like, oh, they need to go to therapy with me or they need to like, you know, they need to sort of be honest or certain things. I don't think she outright says necessarily this season, at least like, I think to Melissa and Joe are bad people. Yeah. I think she's, oh, I mean, I think she's frustrated, but I think like, well, uh, I'm not I saying, don't know if she did, but there was that conversation with Louie and the girls early in the season. Yeah, but I think there's, and there was a lot of mudslinging in that conversation. Sure. But I think, I think it's, you know, I think there's hurt and then there's hatred. Yeah. I think those are kind of two different things. I don't think they, I like. I think they hate Teresa to their core. Like in in not again, not I don't a bad think thing. they do. I don't think they do. I like this is a again, I don't think that Melissa would have tried this hard. I don't think that Melissa would have like Melissa Do you think actively, Melissa's trying? I think she was. Like that moment there with the like what she painted on the wall and how she was sure. like, she cares. She actively cares and actively wants a relationship with Teresa. And she actively wants Teresa and Joey to get back to a good place. But it's just, I don't think that she believes it's possible. Yeah. I think at this point, it's almost like she's mourning the loss of it instead of fighting to get it. Yeah. And in fairness, I don't think she's the one that needs to fight for it. I think it needs to no, be No, I don't think so either. But again, because they are the two housewives, they're going to be naturally. the two that are naturally put together most. And it's going to come down to whether they can make it work. Right. So they go and have like a lunch uh, outside or whatever afterwards. Uh, well, after they all go through all the uh, portraits that they did. Um, and so the topic, com- like Teresa talks about like the wedding's coming close. I, I still have to fin- do my last dress fitting, all this stuff. And then she mentions, oh, and also Louis uh, asked Bill to be a part of the wedding party. I didn't understand this, like in the, in consternation from not even like m- big word. You're, you're uh, I, I normally I'm all about the big words, but I'm going to need Miriam Dick. De- uh, Webster on that I one. I hope to um, God I used that correctly because sometimes I'm like, oh God, did I? Um, but like, may I can understand Melissa being upset slightly 
just from the sense that like the, of Melissa and Joe not being in the wedding. Now, Teresa did offer at a certain point, but even still, she didn't offer initially, and that's the hurt. I don't get Margaret and all these other girls being like, really? Bill Aiden's in the wedding? Who cares? Louie picked him to be in the wedding. Teresa and Jennifer are good friends. I'm assuming that they all go out and they all hang out equally. We've seen that Louie and Bill seemingly have a good relationship with each other, like in terms of like, you know, the dynamics. Naturally, when your partner is friends, like there, there's an instinct to sort of be friends as a couple. And, we, and like I said, they've been to dinners. They've done like, so like, I don't understand why people thought it was so odd that Bill was in the wedding when, yeah. when Jennifer was. Like, it, to me, it's like, okay, that made sense. Yeah. And, and you were talking before about, like, I think the suit, how quick it was. Like, like the fact yeah, that they only just, from the wedding. But, like, when they've been doing all of this stuff all along with, like, who's going to be in, like, all of this stuff. Like, and then out of the blue, like, we find out that, um, um, Dina's not going to be in it. And now because Dina's not going to be in it, now Dolores and Jen are being invited to be in it. And now like a couple weeks before now Bill's being invited. It's like, what are we doing? Guys? I, I think it, if, if this is genuinely the timeline of how things went, I'm like, why the hell are you deciding your wedding party this close? Because it's Teresa. I'm theorizing. My theory I talked to you about is that I don't, I think this is a little producery. To me, I don't, I don't get it doesn't, that. it doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense to me either. But I also know that there are some people who do shit by the seat of their pants and who just kind of go willy nilly through life. And Teresa's kind of that way. I guess maybe the thought is like, you're, we know you're going to be at the wedding anyways. So therefore it's not like we're like organizing it right. separately to like, I don't know. It also kind of depends on how. Well, and I guess when you've got money, it's real easy to get your sure. hands a hold of a bridesmaid's dress or a the suit. right suit or yeah. whatever. Like, you could just run out and buy one instead of those, you know, normal people who have to save for forever to order a tux online and hope it fits when it gets there. Yeah, it did, it did seem a little crazy. Um, but, oh, and then Teresa makes a comment like, you know, they've been, you know, both him and Jennifer have been so supportive of me and Louie and stuff like that. And she says, and it's nice, you know, having, you know, these pe friends and that to sort of build us up. You know, we don't really have family. And I think what she means is we don't have, like, I, again, we talked about it last week about the Teresa language. I think she means I don't have a mother and a father. Like, I, I need, I don't have those elements of yeah. it. I, but obviously she should have said, I don't have a mother and a father instead of I don't have family. Well, like, I but, get, but it's not even just that, right? It's also... You know, um, Louis has, you know, he's repaired the relationship with his family, but he didn't have a great relationship yeah. with his sister for a while. And, you know, like, so there have been, you know, estrangements on both sides of this. And, you know, they're just now finding their way back to being family again. And I can understand why she wouldn't necessarily immediately go, well, I have family surrounding me when you think of Joe and Melissa because they aren't there. Right. They aren't behaving like family, even though they are family. 
But I do think that it was rude. No, I, I do. I do think it was rude to say it that way. I've said it all along. It's definitely she, rude. It's been multiple times this season that she has said, I don't have family. I don't have, you know, something like that. Yeah. And where it's a slight dig to Joey and Melissa, and I can understand why they would be frustrated, why they would be insulted, why they wouldn't want anything to do with her anymore because she keeps doing it. Sure. Yeah, I get it. Um, and Danielle again starts crying. This is the episode where Danielle cries a lot. But, I mean, I I get it. Like, you know, she's basically kind of triggered by what's happening with Melissa and Teresa and sort of everything that they're going through. And Rachel in her confessional basically says that she feels bad for Danielle even though they have issues. And that basically is an issue that she can tell it's an issue that she clearly hasn't worked through with her brother. Um, Danielle makes the point of telling them, like, you know, it may suck. I understand that it sucks between you guys, but at least you're speaking to each other. Like, yeah. So, you know, you are in a place where you can actually improve it. And, you know, you need to put your guards down, essentially, which yeah. I think was good advice. And Melissa and Teresa basically both say in that moment that they're both exhausted and they just, and they just want peace. Yeah. Which is good to say, but, you know. Yeah, but you actually have to put down your weapons. Yeah, exactly. You can't say, I want peace, and then continue pointing your weapon at the other person. Yeah. So they go to um, basically this bog, which is what Peter called was an Irish spa or whatever, which I guess is the mud that they use. To, like, it's a hole in the ground with mud in it. That's yeah. all it is. I guess, but doesn't like, call, I think I'm correct. Like, isn't Irish soil or like Irish mud, like particularly like, aren't there like. It's got an accent. Other than that, <laughs> I don't know how it's any different. I swear like I've heard something about like, it's like, you know, a particularly like. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, Margaret uh, basically, <laughs> Margaret asked to make sure that there's no cow shit in there. He's like, "There's no cow shit." Um, they all jump in. Um, Jen Fessler is basically doing like an exfoliating mask with hers, which I thought was funny. Um, and I then hate tr- mud. You couldn't have paid me to get in that. I didn't. It seemed it wasn't. I I don't like really wet mud. Like I don't like. I don't like mud because it doesn't matter how pure it is; it still smells like shit to me. Mm. So I can't. I can't do it. You don't like. like I just, uh, I'm sure you don't like like wet grass smell even or like. No, I also don't like the smell of lakes mm. and things. Rivers are fine because they're moving. I was gonna say we, like, we're literally living in Pittsburgh. The three. Like I get it. Rivers are fine though because they're moving. Yeah. But like any stagnant water, nope. Uh, yeah. Refuse. Um, so, uh, they all go back to the, um, the castle. We find out that over in, still in Jersey, uh, Joe Benigno is having the guys over to her and Margaret's house to basically smoke pot, essentially. Essentially. Which, we'll get to it. Like. Like, invite a bitch. Well, yes. But also very ironic, even though Margaret had apologized to Jennifer last episode about calling her a disheveled drug addict, uh, for smoking pot. Like, kind of ironic. Um, we see also Danielle FaceTiming her husband and sort of telling her like how, what she's going through and sort of like she, and she feels attacked by a lot of the women, which I don't disagree with her necessarily. Like, I think that she is going through a lot and it doesn't feel like I can understand where she's like, I'm, I'm trying to explain myself about the, what the situation and that there wasn't malice behind me doing it. And it just doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, well, but uh, again, she needs to own up to the fact that it doesn't matter the f- what she meant. It still hurts somebody. Sure. 
Um, Margaret then FaceTimes Joe as well. We find out Lexi, her assistant, uh, who we've seen in the past is basically moved into their guest house now because she's now separated from her partner. Um, so the, I guess it's like a threes company situation now with them, uh, sort of, um, they're do at the, uh, castle they're though. They're doing a whiskey and a chocolate tasting, um, in, for their last night there. Um, which honestly, this was a horrible idea to you do were the saying last this, night. Like, they have to be up and in the, the sprinter vans at 6 a.m. Yeah. Who thought doing a whiskey tasting on the last night was a good idea? And a couple people do get pretty blitzed <laughs> like from this whiskey tasting. Like, this is an awful idea. Yeah. Awful. So uh, we go back to Jersey uh, to uh, Joe Benigno's house and Frank. So basically they're doing this because it's essentially like a taste testing because Frank is now in the cannabis business. And apparently has been for like three years. I love, well, and I love that he was like, I've never smoked weed in my life, but someone came to me about starting a cannabis business. Like, I, Frank. Well, but he was a lawyer. So having like, I like knowledge of the legal system and how to make sure like i can yeah. get why you would reach out to somebody like that frank just doesn't seem like the guy he doesn't really? that smokes weed not necessarily that smokes but that would be chill with other people because just because you're in the business doesn't mean that you use the product no yeah i i mean he's definitely very open to a lot of things which we'll get to a lot of things um and and joe gorga is there and that's one of the things he's open to well um and uh joe benigno asked bill when he's there about being in the wedding party he's like yeah you know um i joe you know louis came to me and i was like absolutely joe gorga was annoying me this this at least in this part of he goes goes to bill and basically like Look, I'm I I love you, man, but you were an afterthought, and and then he does this whole thing in his confessional where he's just like, you know, Bill is just like Jennifer, like, and he does like this like panting motion of like, oh yeah, I'll come to the wet, like basically calling him a bitch and like that he's like emasculating, like, and it's like what yeah. the fuck, dude, like shut up, like I I get it, you're mad about not being in the, but like why would do you like I. It'd be one thing about Melissa being in Teresa's bridesmaids group. Do you, clearly, do you want to be in Louis's wedding party? It feels like it. Well, maybe deep down, but like, what? Like, based off of at least what we've seen this season, like, you don't fucking like, you, like, you you've almost come to essentially blows with this guy. Like, why? Like, I don't know. And it's just the again the idea that like, like. <sighs> You know, and it's been like two seasons now where they've basically tried to like emasculate Bill, which kind of yeah. annoys me. And it's like, you know, it's I don't know. It's frustrating. It's uh, like Bill's getting attacked just because I don't like Jennifer. Well, yeah. And that's and and at least with the, like the last like last season, they were like, well, you should have stood up to your wife more about stuff she was doing. Maybe. What is the what is the attack here? It It doesn't matter. He's connected to her, so therefore he's the enemy. Yeah, it's like And he, even though like they try told, to do this whole, you know, the guys are the guys and the girls are the girls. And, and we don't fight like that. We don't fight like that. They do. Yeah. They and absolutely do. We've is, seen the tribalism amongst these men. It's so obvious. Like, And also, like, what is Bill supposed to tell him? No. Like, yeah. When he, like, no, I'm not going to be in your wedding party. 
Okay, like that's a dickhead thing to do. I don't like, especially a couple weeks before the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> um, they start smoking and getting high. Um, like you said, Frank tries to make out with Joe at one point. Jeez. Well, he basically he tries to like pass the smoke, like like do a a that's his, that I guess would be his excuse. Oh, what is that called? Not contact anyway, high, but like no, it's anyway doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and Joe starts, Joe Gorga starts saying that his head starts spinning and Frank goes, thank God you're four foot two. You won't fall too far. <laughs> I love that. They got a, free- uh, yeah, I'm sorry. There's no way watching the interaction between Joe and Frank, they done did something. Yeah. They, they are way too. And maybe it would be one thing if they were the kind of guys who were like, super secure in their masculinity and like you know they were just that kind of friend right but they aren't like they they are super affectionate to each other but they are not super secure in their masculinity at all at all because they're constantly peacocking so there's no way that they would be this comfortable doing this unless they have gone much further than they have on camera i'm just saying um, and also considering the fact that uh, we know Joe Gorga has shown off to Andy. Yeah. So um, I'm just saying. Um, so Bill brings up and says that, like, suggests to Joe that you should have a heart to heart with your sister when you're both high to basically like put put their guards down, which I don't think was a bad suggestion. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. And usually when people are are high, they're not as they're not aggressive. So taking the aggression out and having the ability to strip away like the, the make it an indica like, yeah, like, like, you know, but I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, Joe basically brings up like what Teresa said about Antonia on the trip. Um, and then it's like, well, you know, I would never put that hatred, you know, in somebody, you know, in my children, you know, not in my case, like my nieces hate me or whatever. Um, which is it's I mean we've seen it on camera. I I I we saw it several seasons in a row where they badmouth Joe and Melissa around the kids and we've sure, we've seen also that same rhetoric that is now coming from the kids. So like I, I can't be I can't begrudge them having that opinion. But I also think yes, but I also I also I, I mean, also think there's, I think it's a way, I think for me, it's a way for Joe, while there could be elements that are valid, it's a way for Joe to sort of excuse it. It's like, they're only mad at me because Teresa's brainwashing them. Like, I don't think that they're only mad because right, of that. But that's but what I'm saying. I think like, that they started down that road because of, because right, but, of Teresa. Right, but you know what can fix that? Like, you know what's a good way to fix, like, the parts where it is your fault, work on that. Like... And there are parts where I do yeah. feel he's been disrespectful to them and is like, you know, and I don't like, I also think some of his conduct is very brash and very just like, like the big thing that when that he posted that video, you know, running into Joe Judice in uh, the Caribbean or whatever the hell they were mm-hmm. and like, you know, making a point to post it online and allegedly like even Joe Judice like called Teresa afterwards and was like, what the fuck was that about? That's like, apparently how she found out about it. Yeah. And like it went viral also because Gia commented on the post and was basically saying that you're looking for attention and this is a, you know, an attention yeah. move by you, you know. Which I I think 
could be informed by certain things Teresa's telling her, yes. But also, I think there is a way that you portray yourself at the end of the day that doesn't lend well to that concept. And, like, I think, I don't know. I the With a lot of people on Bravo, we'll get to it later, but uh, it's also the case of just, like, being an adult. If you're the adult in the relationship, which is what he constantly tries to portray, is just, like, well, I'm the adult and she's the niece. Then you need to be the adult. You right. can't just use the title and then not. But the problem is, Eamon, is that in his mind, being the adult is being in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is silencing Gia. And so he's actually trying to do that. He's actually trying to be the adult. The problem is his definition of adulthood. Yeah, yeah. And it's part of how you're raised. And I know that's, you know, that aspect. But he's a. Like, uh, how fucking old are these people? <laughs> no, exactly. Like, you know, at least... He's in his 40s? If not if not older. I mean, if not older, like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, grow the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we go back to the castle. Um, th- uh, the two gens are bonding, Jen Fessler and Jen Aiden. Um, are, and basically, like, they're basically promising not to sip. And, because you're supposed to sip for the whisking, whiskey tastings. Um, Jennifer is very quickly drunk <laughs> and Jennifer drunk is I like every season. We need at least one episode where Jennifer's blitzed. Like it's great. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking about like, I, I feel like you were, when we were watching it, you were like, what is this like thing of just like, like the connection between like people who are drunk off their ass and their hair being all messed up. I it's, think it, I think it's cause when you're so ambidextrous, like, is that the word? Like when you're like, you like touch yourself a lot. Like it's a lot. It's like, ambidextrous is where you can write with both hands. That's what that is. I was like, immediately I was like, that's not right. Um, but, but like you, I can, you run your fingers through your hair. You do like, you get hot, you get like, yeah, I guess that that's fair. Yeah. I think, and you know, I think that's part of it. Um, um Joe's 43. That's a rough fucking 43. He's only three years older than fucking Tom Schwartz. Yeah. And yet Tom Schwartz <laughs> is Schwartz seen by even, everyone as a child well, still. Well, Schwartz doesn't even look great himself. But. No, but it, there's still a vast difference between Schwartz and Joe Gorga. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Rough. Um, uh, Danielle basically asks where she stands with uh, Margaret and Rachel. And then Rachel and, D- and Danielle start fighting. And it's like, this is the third episode in a row <laughs> with the same fight at the same table. Like, literally, same seating arrangements. Like, it was like, I can't do this anymore. I was, <laughs> well, good thing they're leaving Ireland. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I did love the moment where, like, Rachel, like Rachel's like, you know, oh, well, how would you say it? Because it's all about the, the discussion at, at the clothing store. And Danielle just goes, First of all, calm the fuck down and like slams her head on the t- or the her hands on the table. Um, Melissa points out that like why is Margaret being so pushing it all this stuff onto Danielle and not focusing any of it on Teresa and Jennifer who were the ones that actually talked to Laura. Yeah, like you know she's basically like she's just repeating what she's heard. Like why is Danielle the one you're so angry at? Because. That was how it was orchestrated. Sure. I'm still convinced that the whole plot is to make it all go on newbie Gen- or, um, newbie Danielle and all the hands of Jennifer are clean. Sure. Um, they, uh, and Dan- I'm also convinced that Jennifer 
said, I, I fully believe that Jennifer does everything that she does with intention. Sure. I think that what she said at the wall painting thing was intentional. I thought she meant to drive a wedge between Teresa and Melissa because she saw them making some connections that day and was like, no, she's mine. I don't know as much about that. I don't know. I'm sorry, but when all of your actions still support that main theme of Teresa is mine, no one else can have her. Mm. And Melissa is the ultimate enemy. I think, here's the thing, Jennifer, Jennifer is a little blatant in terms of when she does it to where it didn't seem as blatant to me. To me. I'm just saying. So Danielle comes back with what Melissa is saying and basically saying, no, Margaret should be mad at Laura at the end of the day. That's your friend that's going around saying stuff. And then Margaret basically asks her, so what did Laura say about me? And Jennifer immediately gets nervous and is like, like, like is worried that Danielle's going to say like, you know, and you were like, I'm trying not, she said in her confessional, I'm trying not to look at her, but you were like, they cut to Jennifer, uh, like staring bore holes into the side of of Danielle's head. And I'm just like, this is great. Just the heat resonating off of her left shoulder of Jennifer just being like, do not. Um, but Danielle doesn't, um, you know, and Margaret makes a comment or confess like, look, I'll just give them Laura's number since she has no friends and they can just bitch about me all the time. It's fine. Um, and uh, so then uh, Danielle basically brings up also what Margaret did to Jennifer last season of like to basically be like, this isn't like it's coming from nowhere. I'm not just you're acting as if I just took somebody's word and then ran with it. But I know for a fact that this is like like something happened last season that is informing why I think it's a possibility that this is true. It's not just that I heard it once and then ran with it as it's truth. Um, and then I also kind of felt like Danielle was maybe trying to pass it off as that's what was said. It was like, Oh, it was just bringing up the, what happened last year. Well, no, I don't think she was saying, well, so basically she says that to essentially say like, cause all she says, then, then the part of like, you can forgive, but don't forget in terms of like why right. Jennifer and Mar- Margaret are, you know, sort of, you know, still at right. odds to justify by saying you can forgive, but don't forget. And then Margaret then goes, um, look, I'm going to tell you it straight. That's why you're going to have problems in your family, your whole fucking life, which you were like, I agree. But I love that everyone, even Jen Fessler and Rachel were like, Margaret, that's not nice. Like, you know, but it's true. Like what she said was true. Was it harsh? Yeah, but that's that's Margaret. Like Margaret doesn't fucking care. She's gonna say what she fucking believes. And what she said was pretty fucking accurate. Mm-hmm. Is that if you're not willing to let shit go, then you're never gonna move forward with people. Sure. And and that's fine. You don't have to move forward with people. Not everybody deserves a space in your life. Like there is a place for cutting people out. But you need to do that shit with intention. So if you want that person to still be in your life, you have to then let go of what is keeping them out of your life. Or you have to be okay with them not being in your life. You have to make that decision for yourself. Sure. I'm, I, I personally believe it. I kind of lend to more the philosophy of you can forgive but not forget. I think it, it depends on how you structure things. And like you mentioned, like I think, you know, what forgiveness, knowing what actual forgiveness looks like. Right. But also being conscious of the fact that, like, you know, being aware. Be, I, the whole concept of forgiving but not forgetting is just so you don't get swindled again. Like, that you don't get, like, like at the end of the day. I think you can do that without having your guard up all the time. 
I agree. I I will say just as the last thing on this because oh boy, um, but I I will say that if you're going to forgive and for or if you're going to forgive but not forget, the forgetting needs to be something that eventually happens once you learn to trust that person again. Because if you do trust them again, if you do trust that this is a changed person, that they are truly sorry about what they did, then what they did before should no longer inform your opinion about them. Mm, I don't because know if I agree. Because if there's no room for forgetting, then you haven't truly forgiven them. Because you shouldn't be holding that against them if they are truly a different person today. I, I just think holding against is a, there's a, to me. Holding against to me is this is evidence of your character, which is what sure. basically not forgetting is. If this is evidence of your character that you could do this again, then you are no, you are not forgiving that person. You are still holding this against them as evidence of them being bad person. Right. So Jennifer in her confessional basically says that, and, and I kind of agree, kind of don't, says that Margaret is implying that Danielle is the reason for her issues with her brother, which she kind of is and kind of isn't. Um, like, she's, she's maybe a, implying that, like, the reason it's still not fixed is because of Danielle, which, you know, uh, and then says that Margaret's being a mean girl and to basically just leave Danielle alone. And Teresa uh, at the table basically says, like, like I get where Danielle is feeling, I've been in her shoes, like, like basically lead with empathy a little bit, which I agree with for the most part with these women, at least with Danielle. Yeah. I think that the problem is that we've had episode after episode after episode where I don't think they've led with empathy when they had the opportunity to. Yeah. Um, and Danielle cries and basically says like, she can't take this anymore. She has no fight left in her and she's done. And then the last scene is her like crying in like a bathroom and Melissa and Jennifer are checking on her. Um, and that's the end of the episode. Um, so I would say good episode. I mean, like the stuff with Teresa and Melissa, like we mentioned, just doesn't seem fixable. So it also is like at the point where I wanted to reach the reunion. I've heard at least from what Andy said about the reunion, which is that kind of talk more about the new stuff than even what happened in the season, which I think is the right move because I don't really need this rehash. I don't. Yeah. I mean, especially because we've got another month before we even get to the reunion. Yeah. So I really don't need to rehash it again, especially if they're going to keep rehashing it the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking Survivor and a little bit of the movies we've been checking out. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, 
to a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, Fuck Your Laws, Fuck Your System, Transformative Justice Now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at sidekickmediaservices.com Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. We are going to, first, before we go into the cool, refreshing waters of Fiji, we are going to talk a little bit about Cocaine Bear and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers once and always. Yeah, it was, uh, so we were like in just a... Fun fact, like, it's kind of hard to get us to watch movies together, it's mainly my fault. Like, I, uh-huh. I'm i so particular, like, when I'm in the mood to, like, sit in, at home and watch a movie, like, it's, you know. Rare. I feel like, like, the only times it's, like, when we're, like, also structured, like, going out to a theater or something like that, like we do with Megan and stuff like that, like, so, like, but I made the, I made a promise that we were going to watch these, so I was committed to it so i I thought i did a better job than usual yeah like you definitely only you know forgot for an hour or two and then i reminded you hey you promised we were watching cocaine bear today and you said okay fine (laughs) (laughs) but it was so let's start with cocaine bear because we had heard part of it is i also heard a lot of great like i i need a lot of like people being like you need to watch this like you know sort of uh vibe and it, it it lived up for the most part it went, I think what I really liked about it was that it kind of, and we're going to try to be as spoiler-ish free as possible, but like. There's a bear. There's cocaine. That's really all you need to know. That's the, yeah, it's, there's a key to it. That's, you know, you it, can read between the lines. It takes place in the 80s? Yes. I think so. It seemed, it seemed like the vibe. But like, I think like it balanced comedy and horror in a certain way really well like it, it maybe more comedy than than anything but the moments there were a couple moments where i was just like holy shit i like, mean and it wasn't even horror really it was just action with a little gore yeah i mean well little gore well okay well i mean there, there were, was a <laughs> scene that i was just like oh <laughs> what i mean is that there were percentage wise of the movie there was a small percentage that was gore the gore that was there was exponential yeah but it was a small percentage of the movie that's what i mean by a little gore um but it was really great if you love the comedy stylings of elizabeth banks Mm -hmm. she directed this movie and her fingerprints are all over it clearly um and it is it is very clearly her movie and um was beautifully done this was also uh ray liotta's last film before he passed um so uh, that was nice. I believe that they did a tribute to him at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was... Um, I mean, the fact that 
not to downgrade the movie that we're just saying is great, but like the fact that that's his last film is like g- g- kind Look, of Look, it was exciting. It was, you know, high octane for quite a few moments of it. Um but it also balanced between a couple little slightly poignant moments and I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's cute." Um but it um it really did have a nice balance, a nice flow to it, a nice ebb and flow of the energy levels. Um, it wasn't one note. It wasn't, um, but it also wasn't as chaotic as you would expect from a movie with the name or with the word cocaine in the title. Sure. I think there were like, like there's a, there's a scene where I'll, I'll just say this. It's not a major story. Someone gets shot in the head at one point and it is one of the most graphic things I've seen in a while. Which yeah. I did not expect to be that graphic with this movie. Like, it was, you know. But I think, like, the, maybe the actual stuff with the bear. There was a lot of, like, off-camera, like, pull, pulling someone off-camera and you don't see what happens uh-huh. moments, which I was kind of surprised at. I mean, at. but then there was, I mean, there's, like, a full evisceration that you see happen on camera. Sure. So, I mean, they split it back and forth with that. Like, some stuff happened off-camera, but some stuff is in your face. Yeah. Yeah, um, I thought they tried to at least also create some kind of a story, mm-hmm. it, it, like, like character. I mean, no one's really watching it for that. I don't think. I don't think that. But at the same time, they still developed it. They still put it there for the people who were going to be interested in that. Yeah, I think. I think they did a good job of at least putting some meat to this in in a certain way. Um. I think that it's going to be, uh, it's one of those things where you're going to get a lot of sequels. I think, I think there's a lot of like staying power with the brand of the movie to where, of course they'll have to deviate from, uh, from true events and go in. Cause need I remind you guys, this shit actually happened. Yeah. I mean, this is a fictional retelling of it, but like this, this happened. So I, I think again, like you said, there, there's potential for, sequels if they you know just spin the story and go hey this is no longer true facts anymore um it's gonna it's gonna i feel like it has the potential to be like the new like sharknado and like the like that kind of as much as sharknado gets shit on like at least like it became an event at a certain point when the new one came out to like you know yeah see how ridiculous it was gonna be um i think it gives that vibe to me in 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 a certain way yeah I completely agree. Uh, and then uh, we just a couple of days ago watched the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, uh, I also love the fact that it's like under an hour. Like, like more. Like, I think Cocaine Bear was only like an hour thirty. Was like, it under an hour? I feel like it. Like, I mean, if you loved the show, it had that same vibe and same quick moving. Um, sort of action to it. They didn't stay too long on anything. They weren't like, um, it, it felt in the same pacing and feel as the show. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it may have been under an hour, but it could have also just been good pacing. So, I mean, who knows? But um, it it really was a lot of fan service. And if you were, like I said, if you were a fan, this is going to be something right up your alley. Yeah. I thought they balanced, obviously, the casting challenge as well. 
right. because of all well, that. Well, yeah, like, um, so Austin St. John, John St. Austin, I Austin don't know. Austin St. John? Austin St. John, I think, is his name, that played the original Red Ranger Jason. Um, he is in jail. Um, I think tax stuff or whatever. So he wasn't available. Um, at the time, um, Jason David Frank was still with us. Um, but, you know, he was working on his project, Legend of the White Tiger, which has not come out yet. Um, and uh, he declined the invitation to be a part. Um, Jamie, Amy Jo Johnson, who played the original uh, Pink Ranger Kimberly, also um, declined being a part of it, although she did give them blessing to use her original song uh, that was in the an episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the 90s. Yeah, they reused they that for the of. credits. Um, and that was beautiful. And it's her singing, and um, there's harmony added um, by Zach, our Black Ranger. Um, and it was just... It was beautifully done. I felt like they they did a good job, like you said, getting around those challenges of having three of the original cast no longer available. Yeah, they brought Rocky in to play to play the Red Ranger role. Um, you know, obviously the stuff also, also with Trini. I also, think was Trini. Really well. uh, the character of Trini, Trini Kwan, uh, the Yellow Ranger, original Yellow Ranger, was not dead in the series, um, but. Clearly, uh, Twee, the original um, actress for Trini, died in 2001 in an automobile accident. So um, she obviously couldn't be there and couldn't be a part, but they had to explain her, her passing. And so, as is widely known, um, the, that character dies in the opening moments of the movie and kind of is a... a impetus to the rest of the movie and uh, everything else that happens. Um, and it's, again, just beautifully handled. You can tell that the cast loves this franchise. Yeah. You can tell that, you know, they handled everything as a passion project. And it was, um, it really was a fan, uh, a, a love letter to the fans and to, um, to the the show itself, and I really think that they set it up with potential to do sequels if they wanted. Oh, to. for sure! Like, but I think they also tied it everything up to where they don't have to if they don't need to, or if they're not able to, then nobody's left with a cliffhanger. Yeah, and the vehicle of Power Rangers allows a lot of freedom. I think. In yeah. Terms of, I mean, the, you know, when they, I mean. When you go back to how the show even formed and like sort of like the the how it's how it was put together in the beginning, like it allows for a lot of like maneuvering in that regard, I think. And like we were talking like like the dialogue is as cheesy as it was back yeah. in the day. I think that was also the issue I had. I I was had with the live action, the recent um like remake. I guess you would also call it. with. Had Elizabeth Banks in it yeah. as Rita Repulsa. I I didn't I don't think it 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 became it felt like a modern movie that they put Power Rangers, which around. I was fine with. Honestly, 
I, I think it's okay to take that and say, what if Power Rangers was, was Transformers? Well, less of that, but what if it was an action, like, what if it was a superhero movie? Yeah. What if there was not the, they did the same thing with Batman. They did the same thing with all the superheroes, right? What right. is the MCU? You know, so like we've got all of these different modern takes on superheroes, and I think that it is nice to see Power Rangers in that same vein and taken in. Now, I wish that they had done more with that. I wish that they had, you know, um, um, done sequels to that movie. I wish it was a little bit more um, well accepted by the fan base. Um, it was nice to see Jason David Frank and yeah. Amy. Uh, Amy Jo Johnson in that movie, even if it was just a cameo. Um, and again, we'll see what happens with Legend of the White Tiger later because uh, they are still going to release it. They had finished filming; they're in post production. So um, I'm excited to see what happens with that. But I thought that this was beautifully done. Yeah, like you'll love it if you were a fan of the series. If you weren't and you love campy, quirky comedy stuff. You'll love this too. I, I thought it was a lot of fun and just um, very well done. Yeah, it was really good. So should we move on to Survivor? Yes, we should. Episode twelve. Uh, this was a. I would say over. No, actually, yeah, this was a good episode. I was kind of on the fence. There's there's certain parts I think that we'll talk about, but um, hey, we had a regular immunity challenge. Yeah, we had you know the um sit out for rice thing which is a common occurrence on survivor we had you know a pretty straightforward tribal at mark it down in the record books this was a good episode well i i think we'll, we'll get to the try the tribal thing i may dispute you on just a little bit but we'll we'll see um so we return uh from last tribal where brandon went home um or went to jury i should say um and danny basically is like everything went exactly to plan in terms of uh putting the idol on Franny and canceling out her votes. Um, you know, Lauren is basically lamenting about how they screwed this up and that Brandon basically didn't want them to split the votes and now he's gone. So it's like, we're not going to make that mistake again, mm -hmm. which yeah. Um, Yam Yam uh, is talking about how he's very happy where he's at. He has no blood on his hands. He, what you had mentioned before of like what they, what him and Carson did, which was essentially, put their votes on Franny, even though they knew in the back of their minds she was going to get the idol. So it basically leaves them still in the position where they can play the middle between Soka and Ratu. Um, so, yeah, I think smart move on their part. And Yam Yam, Yam Yam, I think, was also doing a good job of building his resume, at least narratively. This episode, he talks about how Josh, Matt, and Brandon have all wrote, wrote his name down and have all gone home. So, like, I, th I think he's... Him and Carolyn, I think, are my front runners now. Like they, at least, I can see the narrative. I can see the yeah. structure, and I, I think they're sleeper agents. I don't think anybody else has realized the rep, the rep, the resume that they are putting together. I almost said reputation, yeah. Um, but the resume that they've put together, and I think if they can get to the final three, they can argue a win. I can see it with Danny as well, too. Like I would yeah. say, those three, I can definitely see their path and their story and in what they can tell. The others, not so much. Like, I, I, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, Kane talks, so it's the next morning. Kane basically says that Brandon leaving has sort of woken him up. It, it didn't deter him. 
And then he immediately starts searching for idols because they figure it got played on Franny. It's probably flushed out into the, into the ether. Um, Kane basically says that Danny's his biggest threat and he makes it, he does this long, like D and D like reference, like basically to try to, I'm like, just say he's a big threat. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. You're the D and D guy. But Look, like, I played D and D, and I didn't even get what he was talking yeah, about. Okay. So, <laughs> like, so like in any like competitive aspect, like is what you're describing. Like, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Danny is also searching for the idol. Um, he says that like, oh, he says his strategy is basically I'm going to check five trees, and then I'll bring back firewood to camp, and then I'll go back to get more wood, quote unquote, and then check five more trees, and then like he has his way of like sort of like. Right, so that he's not doing, not getting lost in the search and staying away too long. Yeah, but Jamie also pinpoints that Danny's looking, <laughs> and then we get this moment where Jamie being like, you know, I also, you know, I, you know, I want to also look for the idol. You know, it would be great to have too. You know, the fact that I have my idol and the fact that I still have my idol through all, the, and she's just smiling about how happy it is she, that you know we're in like final ten or whatever, and like she's still kept on to her idol, and then just the lower third that says one fake idol it's, <laughs> it's great it was really good now everyone is sort of searching and and you know kind of not even being shy about it i guess at this point um and then but we find out that heidi then finds the idol and um, she finds it beautifully like she like with no facial expression like somebody could have walked by and not noticed because she hands on the the idol and immediately in her pocket and just keeps going. And yeah. there's no tell. No, it was great. And, and she also is just like, you know, I'm going to keep the, like based up with everything that's, you know, happening in terms of like all the advantages moving around. I'm just keeping this one in myself. And it's like, yeah, duh. I, we hey, talked about it before. Why the hell are people telling everyone about their advantages? I'm, I'm just glad to get a moment to where I can actually root for my Pittsburgh native. Yeah. Heidi's doing well. I don't know if she has the resume yet. She, yeah, she doesn't yet, but I think that if the way that she is thinking about her game in this episode, if she has been doing it before and continues to do that, yeah. I think she could get to the She's end. pretty intuitive. I think they just haven't been showing her game. Yeah, I would say that. Um, and who knows? You can still win when they never show an ounce of your game. Gabler. Um, we're, we're, they're all painting their tri-flag, and they play, they're basically playing I Spy. Uh, I forgot what uh, Yamiam called it. Um, they're making fun of the fact that Carolyn can't say the letter S and just pronounces it ass. Yeah, that Boston accent is thick. Comes right out. Um, but then we get sort of more Carolyn's backstory, sort of her like sort of like, you know, moment to sort of talk about the fact that she's 13 years sober and f- actually even met her fiance in an AA meeting, which is you know, at first I was like, wow, like that's, you know, but now that I think about it, it actually is not that bad of an idea cuz I feel like it allows you both to sort of hold each other accountable in a certain way. Yeah, but they do they do typically frown on that. Yeah. I know I at the immediacy in my head was like, that's probably not a good idea. I tried to like psychoanalyze it a little bit more. Like at least not when you're early in recovery. When you're yeah. early in recovery, you shouldn't be dating because you shouldn't be having someone else's emotional well-being have anything tied to you yeah because you're unstable you're not able to be depended upon but if they were both far enough along in their recovery 
then I think it's fine. Yeah. And obviously they've been together for however long. So it clearly, and yeah. And she talks about like, you know, it's just the freeness of everything. And like, she, she literally says, I have my family and I decorate for Halloween. It's creepy as shit. And it's everything I've ever wanted. I love her. I want to be her friend. Carolyn, call me. Yeah. Carolyn. D- send us our D- send us a DM. She's great. Uh, Franny also in her confessional basically says that she's learning a lot from Carolyn in this moment about being herself and not having like this idea of how to present yourself and sort of like not caring in a certain regard, which I definitely think. Um, and Carolyn talks about how, like after this conversation too, and, and everything, like she feels like she's getting her footing more on the tribe and she doesn't feel the insecurity that she had been feeling for like the past couple episodes. Yeah. Um, partly from the fact that she also talks about like, you know, I'm also using my, quirkiness and my you know to my advantage that people are going to doubt me and then i'll come in from behind like i think you know and she's done done it really well we've talked about it like i think carolyn it's great to see that it typically i don't like the sentimental like this is my life story moments but i actually really like this because i thought this built her character and her story so well and gave it i i feel like it gives her a, a better understanding of like why she had all those insecurities too in the beginning and like what that stems from and yeah. like well and you kind of need a little bit of context with a personality like hers yeah but once you get that context there's no way to not appreciate her you know like she's just she's great i love her and but then and then the last scene though we like so it ends with her like getting on that like giant rock that was in the ocean and you were like oh hell no like her and yam yam were both up there i was like no not two of my favorite people up on this rock like matthew absolutely not we cannot have we cannot have that um uh carson is still feeling exhausted but feels a little like his stomach is not in the place that it was but he's still just exhausted basically he's like i haven't eaten in days because of everything you can see it on his face that poor kid yeah and they're like they don't have any coconuts basically they're char they're basically charring unripe papaya they're saying and like that's Mm -hmm. what they're eating which like yeah yeah. not great but as this is happening they get their tree mail and it basically talks about the immunity challenge and imply it implies the thing that we've seen in past seasons where if an, if a certain number of people sit out of the immunity challenge, they can get rice for the entire tribe. Right. So that. Well, when I first heard it, I thought that we were getting a food auction, and I was like, "What?" Because oh, it I, said something about the price and with food, and yeah, I was like, I "Okay." Feel like, I feel like we're never getting the food auction back. I and I'm really sad love about the it. food auction. It's such a like. Why don't they do it? It's like, come on, like it's such a, a you know, a important part of the show to me. Um. Danny, th- Danny was, an- this is part where Danny was annoying me, like this whole episode. Um, Danny basically like, well, it's embarrassing the idea that people would sit out for rice. Like, you know, it's an immunity challenge, you know, with everyone being so competitive, like the idea that people would sit out and basically acknowledges like, at the, right, especially at this point, it's three, three and three with Soka, Tika and, and mm-hmm. Ratu. So, you know, people shouldn't be sitting out. Um, and also Franny is also talking in her confessional and starting to piece things together about the fact that we don't really know where Tika stands and she's starting to feel like they kind of, they are kind of playing the middle in between the two, which, you know, is definitely what's happening. Um, and so th- basically they're like, we're going to judge it when we get there, depending on the challenge, you know, but at this point it doesn't seem like they're sitting out. Um, we go to the immunity challenge and it's pouring rain. Um, and basically it's a, uh, endurance sort of challenge where you have to balance this ball wedged in between this wall while you're standing on this platform and you only have like your foot 
you only have enough space on this platform for one of your feet and your other foot has to be on top essentially um of your foot uh and i think they also explicitly said the other foot can't touch right the platform at all which i thought was interesting um Immediately, Carson and Lauren are willing to sit out because because Car- I think I get I don't blame Carson. He's just like I'm not I can't win this shit. Like, well, I also think that if you're of a certain height with these, because all of those were at the same height, they well, weren't adjusted they for height. Okay, I was wondering. I couldn't tell like if because normally in some of these challenges they adjust it based off your height. It didn't look like they did that for the for this challenge. Yeah. Um, but Jeff wants four names to sit out essentially, uh, before he'll give, give into the deal. Um, Kane talks about how he has sort of trepidation about it, um, because the last vote didn't go his way. So, you know, in terms of everything, (laughs) and then Danny basically gives the scouts honor that he won't vote for the sit outs. Uh, More on that later. Yeah. Carson, (laughs) I love Carson being like, I co-sign. I mean, I'm, I know I'm in the sit outs, but still, and Carolyn as well co-signs. Uh, Kane then decides to uh, make it three. It seems like Jamie is going to do it, but then starts to like relent and like, doesn't know, like you could tell she's kind of being, it's like, girl, you think you have an idol, like (laughs) whether the, the veracity of that Island Island and veracity. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. The validity. There we go. Validity of that idol is irrelevant because you think it's real. So if you think you have an idol, why are you not going, you know what, I'll sit out? Yeah, I just feel like you also know your strengths and weaknesses. Right. And like, that's also a particular challenge where it's like, I know I couldn't do that challenge, so I would absolutely sit out. Like, you know. And I just find it funny, the people who actively were like, no, there, there's no way I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm so trepidatious about giving up my spot about uh, for competing for immunity are the first ones that got out of this yeah challenge yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah um but then uh heidi basically says that she'll sit out so that's the four and they get rice uh at the end um the challenge goes by pretty quickly it's only a little over like five minutes like it's i think the rain is part of it and all that oh stuff. yeah um but it comes down to danny and franny and franny wins her second immunity um and danny is you know this is his second time in a row in second place you know, in an immunity challenge. And both times to women. Both times to women, both times in like this endurance, like sort of like style of challenge. So like, you know, it could be pretty emasculating. Um, and Franny's talk like is basically surprised that she's been such a comp beast at the fact that this is her second individual immunity. And she was like going in, I thought I was probably going to be like looking at everyone. I thought I was going to be the weakest woman in the group. And like the fact that I've won two, it's like impressive. Um, they're back at camp and everyone's eating rice and, and they're all like savoring, obviously all uh, it. Um, You'd have thought there was LSD in this rice, the way that they were acting like it's so euphoric. Yeah. But I mean, I get it when you're, when you're that hungry, simple rice is kind of euphoric. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Kane immediately is like, this is where it's like when Danny did his whole scouts honor at the challenge, Kane is just immediately back at camp being like, yeah, his scouts honor and basically everyone's word means nothing. Like <laughs> no one's going into this under the assumption that they're not voting for the sit outs. So yeah, let's be real. Um, Tika and Soka are essentially talking and discussing about getting Kane out. Heidi is the one that particularly suggests that. Um, Carson, uh, also, Carson also suggests let's get Kane out, but we also can structure it to where we can also get Jamie to flush out her idol. Um, and then Carson do to to attempt to do this. Carson tells Jamie that Soka 
is bringing her name up into things, basically trying to pressure her to where she feels like she would need to. Um, Jamie suggests the idea that if, with the idea that Soka and Tika are working together, suggests splitting the votes between Danny and Heidi. Um, so, and then, then, so now they're also, the, the um, Ratu people are worried about uh, knowledge is power being out in the, which that's the thing. It's like, there's so many advantages now on this show where it's like, they're worried about advantages they don't even know exist, but that have been in past seasons that where like, and that's what's going into their thought process. But I mean, we've had that thought process since I've been watching the show. Yeah. I mean, and I started in 38, so not super long ago, but like. But I mean, at this point also, guys, if you're all telling each other your advantages, so like, you know, if, if you haven't heard about knowledge is power, maybe it's not there. Um, but Lauren is going to basically give her extra vote to Jamie, like give her the actual parchment for the extra vote in case someone tries to knowledge is power her and take it. Right. Because you have to know that the person and know what they... And well, you have to... Basically, with knowledge is power, you have to go, do you have an advantage or do you have an idol? Yeah. And you have to get the wording right. Because if they have an idol and you ask about an advantage, you don't get the idol. Right. Wait, has it, it... It's worked before, right? I think so. Or has... I feel... I don't know. Like, I can't even remember at this point. Uh, and so... Lauren gives Jamie her, her extra vote. And Jamie then gives Kane her idol. In the, fake idol. Her fake idol. To basically sort of pass the, the advantages around so no one can grab them. Um, Franny then says that they need to do something about the Tika member. She's at this point being like, guys, Tika's like slip, slipping by under the radar. They're working both sides. Um, and basically wants to try to now work with Ratu to get uh, either Yam Yam or Carolyn. Well, they want to split the votes with Yam. Franny wants to split the votes between Yam Yam and Carolyn, but to get to if there's a split vote and then they re-vote, they'll vote out Yam Yam. From the from the getting the votes together aspect, this tribal was a clusterfuck. I know, right? It gets even worse. Like it's like, um, I think this is the most diverse voting we've seen. Well, also in a while. Like that's this is also the frustration. Like. Danny, I was so annoyed with this episode I mentioned before. Like, so Franny brings this to him and being like, Tika's playing the middle. Like, so like they're going to skate by. And Danny's basically like, I don't see like, you know, you know, Ratu's more of a threat because they have their advantages. Jamie has her advantage, her idol, and Lauren has her advantage. So we should take them out first. The idea of going, he literally says the idea of going after Tika is illogical. And I was like, oh my God. Like, there's a way to say like, I don't agree without like, shitting on someone especially like i i i he's giving to, sand of all vibes honestly I think it, well here's the thing i think it was after the carolyn the the sanctuary thing with him and brandon like ignoring carolyn the whole time yeah and then now him doing this to franny i'm like okay like come on guys like you know um and yeah it's like he won't even listen to franny um Yam Yam basically tells Carson that he wants Kane out essentially because he voted for him. Like he, he feels like Kane would come for him. Um, and he brings this to Carolyn and like, or no, Carson brings this to Carolyn, I believe. And Carolyn's like, I don't see Kane as a threat at all. What? Cause he's sneaky. We're all sneaky. It's so stupid. Yeah. Like, um, I love her. And then like, she was like, no, we need to get Danny out, which I agree. Like why are the, like, again, the women have the right ideas. Like Danny's the threat. Tika's the threat. It's like that's you know, but also like 
she's like, this whole muscle bro thing that they tried to pull off, I'm done with. Like, it needs to fucking go. Like, sorry. Uh, they cut also, as Carolyn's saying this, to Danny by the fire, like, flossing, but with the machetes. I was like, that's a great way to, like... And then, well, and they also show at an earlier time, I think when they were talking about the papayas, he's, like, chopping out a papaya and misses and almost hacks into his leg. It's like, dude, that is a sharp, giant... Blunt fucking knife like what are you doing yeah and carolyn and carson are basically deciding which way they want to go in terms of all this um we go to tribal council and the the topic comes up about the whole scouts honor thing and danny just immediately going yeah i'm not a scout jeff (laughs) like yeah that was pretty funny like you're not even a scout wow um danny also kind of like implies that like the sit outs were doing it selfishly like it was just like you know, oh, you're so hungry. Well, we're all... Hu- it was like, what are we doing, dude? Yeah, he really pissed me off this yeah. episode. Well, and then... So then Jamie's like... Ba- Jamie basically says something to the effect of like, you know, it, you could say the decision that people made or whether to sit out or not in terms of the challenge can speak to how they're strategizing inside the game. And Danny pulls a face and it's just like, agree to disagree. And like smirks. I was like, you're getting too annoying. I, I need you to stop. Um... I hope he's out next. Yeah. I, like, it, I, I know he was pretty to look at, but he's his irritating personality has overcome that, and now he's not pretty to look at. Yeah. This point, we talked before about how the, tri- the, the tribal discussions are, are the same every week about, like, the vagueness. This, this was like, they were like, you know, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. It's like, anything can happen. To any, it's like, okay, we get it. But also Jeff being like, Jeff clearly like loves this. Like as much as we hate it, Jeff is like stroking himself over this stuff. Like oh, it's he's just like it brings, obvious. It speaks to the excitement of this game. Like there's we does it. You've talked about like you were talking about uh, last season how like Jeff like spoke out about like people being upset about the fire making challenge at Final Four, um, taking out. Oh yeah, he on uh, one of the recent episodes of. Um, oh, his the, podcast, uh, after the, called. Or after the buff or something it's like the, that. It's the CBS. Yeah. It's the, yeah. He, he's, um, talking about, uh, somebody asked him, uh, you know, people were really angry about the fire making challenge, especially last year with, or last season with Jesse and how it blocked him out of the final three. Um, and Jeff goes, Oh, well, they weren't angry. They were sad to see him eliminated. Don't I'm tell like, me what I was. Don't tell me. I was fucking angry. And I was angry because that man should have fucking won. Yeah. And he would have won if he had made it to the final three. And then he tries, to, you played it for me. Like, he tries he, to make the argument of, like, oh, you like, you know, he, if we didn't have a fire making challenge and we just vote, he would have had no, no power and would have automatically went home because everyone was convinced to send him home. This actually gave him power. It's like, no. He was, it was very clear that he would fail at a fire-making challenge, like, in the build-up to it. All this but, gave was, a, was window dressings of, a, of an opportunity to make it to the final three, not an actual chance to. Like, he can use persuasion. Like, like, that, like he was great at using persuasion. That was what would have given him the opportunity to like, stay. Like, how about let him have the chance to outwit? How about let him have the chance to outplay? Yeah. Like... Like, that's the game. The game is social capital. Yeah. Sure, there's all the challenges and there's all of the survival shit. 
But that's window dressings. This game is about creating connections with people and convincing people like with with political capital. Yeah. And you weren't giving him the ability to do that. We won't talk we, so th- uh, to jump slightly ahead to then go back. So they they do the next time on Survivor at the end of the episode and it's somebody going in the in like um vo- in the voiceover every single day is a brand new game. The era of alliances is over and I literally screamed that's the problem. That's what we don't like about this new era. Yeah, it's a it's a real big issue. It's just like, uh, there's no yeah. We, we we already discussed it. I think like two or three weeks ago, we went into a long discussion. You can listen to our thoughts on it. Um, uh, Kane then starts whispering to Franny uh, as th- this happened, and then see, he, I do like this. This I like. Well, yeah. So we get a live tribal where now everyone's moving around and whispering to each other, and you couldn't really hear like even the whispers, but they had the subtitles for everything that people were saying. Well, the funny thing is, is that they didn't have the subtitles until Yamian, because Yamian was the one talking when they started doing the, and Yamian was like. I wish I had subtitles to see what everyone was saying. And they oh. put the subtitles out as he was saying it. Yeah. And then they started subtitling what was happening in the background. And I thought that was really funny. That's, that's good producers. That, that's good shit. We get to uh, everything uh, that uh, they then go to vote. Uh, we see that Jamie uses, her, uses Lauren's extra vote uh, for the vote. Uh, it comes down to it. Kane does not play Jamie's idol, even though it's a fake. Um, and then Kane gets voted out. Five votes against Kane. Three for Heidi. One for Jamie. One for Dan. It was like across the board. They were like, like, yeah. To where I was like, what was the strategy here? Literally four out of the eight people that could have been voted for were voted for. Right. It was like, what the fuck, guys? So basically, it seems like it seems like Soka and Tika like pulled it out. Like Danny, Heidi, Yammy, M, Carolyn, and Carson all voted for Kane. Franny voted for Jamie. So Jamie was like the split vote, essentially. And then three people voted for, well, three votes, the three votes on Heidi were Lauren and the two Jamie votes. Right. And then Kane voted for Danny. So they were basically, again, it was basically like both Soka and Tika, or Soka and Ratu splitting votes, hoping that Tika would join them, essentially. And need I mention it, this is the fourth person in a row that has been removed from the game. After voting for Yam Yam. Yeah. So I, I think Yam Yam has a good story to tell. I, yeah. I, I think so. Um, yeah. So that was Survivor. I thought it was good. Um, I, I think we have our clear favorites. I think we have the people that we really want to root yeah. for and like hope make it to the end. Um, I'm just, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I just hope for a satisfying ending. Like, Without Matt, I'm, I am liking Franny a lot more. Yeah, Franny's Franny's and, and she's like finally I disliked being, her, but like, I didn't like her. But they weren't giving her a, a lot of agency in the edit. Yeah, so I'm glad that we are getting to see more of the way that she functions instead of her story revolving around Matt. Right. So to me, like Carolyn, Yam Yam, Franny, and Heidi, I think are I'm kind of leaning towards because I, you can tell they're very smart and very intuitive. All of them. Danny, I think, is getting a winner's edit. I hope it's not doesn't pay off. Because it's just the same kind of like strong man winners at it. Carson is also getting a really good edit. Uh, I I want to see. I it. don't. I think Carson is getting the fools edit. I hope so because I that's what I'm sensing. I don't know if everyone is sensing that, but that's what I'm getting from it. 
I mean, you know me, I'm always here for the girls and the gays. So yeah. if we can get that top four to be Carolyn, Franny, Heidi, and Yam Yam, I am here for it. Yeah, I think that's the way to go at the end of the day. Um, so that was Survivor for the week. We're going to take a quick commercial break and buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting into the newest episode of Vanderpump Rules. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His NB. Let's head over to Hollywood for Vanderpump Rules. Oh my god, this fucking episode. This, like, we talked, I mean, last week, hints were disseminating. Now they're fully out there. I mean, this isn't even hints. This is like freaking hydrogen bombs. Like, it. you'd have to be dumb to not see the pattern. It's honestly beyond, like, there were a couple moments in the like last couple episodes where you would have those sort of cringe moments where it's like, Oh God, this sounds bad in retrospect. And you still had those here, but I was almost more angry than anything. Like I would, we'll get to, there's a moment. We'll get to it. And those of you tuned in on our social media know what moment we're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. He, Oh, I wanted, I wanted to, if I cared enough, didn't care enough about our television screen, there would have been a, fist size hole through it like it, ooh, it was ooh. thank you for caring about our television screen yeah um we start uh, the episode at katie's place as Car- katie's having a hair of a dog uh from the night before um she's like i never do this and she has lala over uh to the house and they're eating chick-fil-a which i'll give you a pass on that katie because i really like you this season but, but this cast knows this cast knows better than that shit yeah they're at pride every year mm-hmm 
Mm -mm. Uh, but I'll give you a pass because I do like you, Katie, and you're the Katie. We've said it. Katie is fucking MVP of this season. Like she is that. This is her goddamn season, bar none. Um, Lala basically says that she's never like last night. She never seen Katie like she was with Satchel. Uh, like in terms of just like giddiness and stuff like that. She said all you could see when you guys were making out was just mops, and yeah. they cut to them like making out at the table. Um, Lala. Uh, Lala basically asked Katie if there's any coming back for her and Raquel after, you know, and I feel like Lala's in this position after that conversation she had with Raquel at the end of last episode. And Katie basically says that, you know, I can forgive people, but I just want to keep my distance. I'm, I was originally really open to Raquel, but I don't want to sleep with one eye open, which I get it again. Like people were trying, people were being like, well, Oh, you know, in terms of, they were mean to Raquel in terms of the information at the time, just because stuff has come out now. But they were fucking intuitive on her. They're I'm, like, they clocked her from the fucking get go. I feel, and I, like even before this season, I would say there was a lot of like talk about Raquel that I think really is being validated, like nowadays. Like it's you know credit to them for like really sort of like nailing her perfectly oh yeah <laughs> well no that's sandoval's job um katie Oof, probably not perfectly <laughs> it was right there um katie then brings up the conversation she had with sandoval where katie basically dropped the like oh you go to the abbey with her at 1 a.m and, and stuff like that um and they talk about uh, ali sort of seeing them and stuff like that katie in her confessional basically says you know, look, I don't want to say Sandoval would ever cheat on uh, Ariana because if he did, I would have to kill him. Well, um, you know, but I would, you know, I've never gone out with Sandoval dancing at 1 a.m. So it does seem very odd. Which, yeah, you know. Now, I, I do want to pause a moment. Like, I don't see Katie catching any flack for having said that. And rightfully so. I don't think she should catch any flack. But I have seen a lot of people that have uh, been pointing some flat Jax's way when he basically said the same thing. He said, if I was Ariana, I would freaking murder the two of them. Oh, it's that tweet the same that he, shit. Yeah, that tweet. That, I it's mean, the same sentiment. Katie's also threatened to light Schwartz and Raquel on fire this season. So, I, so think, I mean, like, I get it. It is an expression of the anger. It is not an actual threat. Nobody's saying that anybody should die. They're just saying they should fear for their lives. I just, think, <laughs> I, and I know, like, oh, sexism, you know, the different rules for different people. But I do think it's also a different connotation, unfortunately. When, like, a man is saying that about a woman. Like, but, again, he was saying that if he was Ariana, he would do that to Schwartz, or to Sandoval, and to Raquel. Yeah. It wasn't just Raquel. No, I know. It, I, think it, I think it was a dumb tweet that people... Like, I think it was dumb, but I also don't think that it's any different than what Katie said. And I think that it's a sentiment that 98% of the fans are also agreeing with. Me as well. So, same here. So I don't know why... Preface this, don't enact... Because uh, they said it on Watch What Happens Live. Like, don't enact violence on people. Don't Absolutely like, not. But, like, in the words of James Kennedy on Watch What Happens Live... If you don't want people to be outraged, don't do something outrageous. That was like poetry by that, James. It was poetry. I love that. Um, we go to the Toms as they're getting bagels from this uh, food truck called Yeasty Boys. Um, so, fucking hell. We had already, this scene had come out like before the episode aired, and I was already annoyed by it. It was like, 
I, I think, you know, we've had the discussion about Schwartz and his role in this. I think after this episode, there is no denying the fact that Schwartz is complicit. Oh, yeah. Schwartz knows at this point that they had a one-night stand, as he calls it, at the right. very least. Well, because at this point, we're into September. Yeah. He said that that happened in August, so clearly it's in the past. So clearly everything from here on is covering up. And this whole conversation is the most staged fucking bullshit. I, I was so mad. So Schwartz, Schwartz starts by being like, you know, I feel like I have more of an appreciation for Raquel um, I just don't know why I'm not more attracted to her. And Sandoval goes, I mean, you don't have to be. <sighs> Swartz then says that there is no sexual chemistry and that he has a feeling, you know, I just have a feeling she has a crush on someone else. See, I think that that line was a line of Schwartz going off script because the way that, that Sandoval, the look he Sandoval gave him goes, was like, Really? Sandoval goes, yeah? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, I think that we were almost to the point where he was going to try to reshoot the scene like he does later in the season, allegedly. I we think, have not seen that I happen I think yet. it wasn't like, I don't think it was Swartz trying to make a dig. I, I don't think he was trying to I think to he was just it. vamping. I think that's Swartz's idea of like putting the cover off them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, idiot. Like, uh, we saw what he did on Watch What Happens Live. Like, it's not that surprising. So then we get into this discussion about him and Ariana. And he's basically like talking about like, oh, I got to go fertilize uh, her eggs and stuff like that. And, you know, Schwartz is like, you're cool with that? You know, you know, is that you're excited? And he goes, yeah. I, like, he's so unenthusiastic, like, but performatively unenthusiastic. I don't know if he's actually unenthusiastic. No, because. He is, though, because he knows at this point that he's going to leave Ariana. Sure. And he doesn't want to fertilize her eggs because he doesn't want her to have any claim to him when she decides to have those kids. But also, go back to the Howie Mandel podcast, by the way. That Howie Mandel podcast was the stupidest fucking thing he could have done because the time he couldn't even remember the fucking timeline of shit. Well, like, part of the issue is that he is so fucking full of himself that he can't see how obviously evil he looks yeah like well, that that's what it is but like he put out this the whole like sin, the 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 theory that he placed out there for what to believe from the howie mandel interview is that we were always a friendship relationship to where you know we were just putting it on for the cameras and then she went crazy and after i broke up with her officially at valentine's day she made the comment about fertilizing her eggs Later in this episode, he goes to the doctor's appointment to check on his sperm and to get like the to meet with the doctor about it. If you were in that friendship relationship and this was all for show, why are you going to the doctor to check on your sperm to have them have her eggs fertilized? Why are you doing that? Yeah, it makes no fucking sense. No sense at all. Um, you know, and then oh, and this would piss me off. Sandoval is like. You know, just lately with Ariana, we'll just be talking and she'll just like come at me g trying to do this whole Ariana thinks he's an idiot and shits on him all the time that he tried to do last episode. You know exactly what he does to everyone else. Literally later this episode. Um, and th this was so he goes that, you know, like that whole, um, you know, like when we were at the uh, pool party at the house, like that whole girl's trip, I wanted to talk to Lala about and Ariana's like. 
what? So you can go yell at women? That is not what happened. That is literally such That's a... That's not what she fucking like, said. Do you not know there's a camera on you? Like, like that is like a complete rewriting of what happened. I was just going to talk to Lala about the girl's trip. No. you. Lala was talking about how she's annoyed by Raquel, and then you berated her, calling her a bully, and fucking like saying that she's an asshole, essentially, and yelling at her. And Ariana then walked out and said, Tom, I'm not doing this whole... Tom versus the girls thing. She didn't go before. She didn't. Tom. Tom didn't go. You know, I kind of want to talk to Lala about the w- w- the girls trip. And Ariana went, "What? So you can yell at women? That's not what happened." Like this is this show like needs to be studied. Like there there should be college courses mm-hmm. based on this show about the psychology of uh, misogynistic men and like the types of abuse and shit that women go through in these relationships with these narcissist assholes. Like clearly this is like gaslighting one one. Yeah. And I, I just, and how much they tell on themselves because guess what? Both you and Schwartz love yelling at women as we see this whole episode. We'll get to it. Oh yeah. Like, you know, if, if Ariana had said what she said, which she didn't, she would have been right. You yeah. idiot. Um, you know, and then Schwartz, oh, and then Schwartz responds and goes, she's quick to be dismissive of you. And that's a real slippery slope in a relationship. Is it motherfucker? Would you know from experience? Not from receiving it, but you'd know from dishing it out. Asshole. What a piece of shit. (laughs) And then Sandoval, you know, you know, I'm just the, you know, the person I love thinks I'm dumb and annoying words that, you know, she's never said to me. Um, and it makes me question whether we're right for each other. And then he, then, then he goes, you know, I try to work really hard in this relationship. I'll come, you know, I'll come home with a, a, a double latte, uh, for her like every week. And she'll be like, Oh, Tom, thank you. And Schwartz goes, does she reciprocate? And Sandoval, no. Oh, boo gasp. She doesn't make you lattes. Shut the fuck up. Instead, she stands by your shitty fucking band every goddamn show you go to. Again, she gave you half of her fucking book deal. But wah, she didn't make you a latte. Shut the fuck up, dude. You're the worst. He is the worst. Um, We go to James and Allie's place. uh, And Allie's working on some astrological stuff that she's doing. James makes a joke about... You know, is, what's on it? Is, is Pluto going into my Uranus? And then Allie goes, that's not how it works. And I've explained it to you a million times. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> the underrated MVP for this episode is Allie. Yeah. I like Allie a lot. Like, I really do. She, ooh. Like, she, she does something that annoys me later, like, from a story perspective. But, like, in terms of just, like, you know, we'll get to it. So, um... Uh, Allie basically says that uh, he has Venus in his first house and Sagittarius, which means he's fiery, he's passionate, and then he loves PDA. And James goes, remember in the beginning, uh, we would make out everywhere, and then they cut to that fucking burger scene from earlier in the season. I did not need to see that again. I am I, so glad that I was distracted by my phone at that moment because I was already not feeling great yesterday. I'm already moving past the trauma of that scene. Jesus Christ. Um, and they talk about the, you know, Raquel showing up at Lala's birthday and Jane, James is like, I don't believe Raquel, you know, the influencer who's always on her phone 
um, didn't look up Oliver. I looked up Oliver and I was like, oh, he's married. Um, I but also, like, the internet is not always accurate on things like that. So you can't, like... Sure. Plus, they already knew that he was married. They were wondering whether he was separated or not, which is not necessarily something you would see online. Yeah. So then now Allie brings up that when she was having the conversation with Lala and Katie about uh, seeing Tom and Raquel at the Abbey dancing, that Katie basically said something about, you know, oh, Tom and Ariana don't have a lot of rules. We'll get to this later. Uh, And James is basically like, I kind of interpret it as Katie saying that Tom and Ariana have an open relationship. Not what she said. No, but at least he is saying that's how i interpret that at least he's not saying this is definitively what that means or he's changing the words that came out of katie's mouth yeah no it there's a bad game of telephone that happens it's awful it's terrible so then james basically and james is like yeah that's clear what it is i mean it's like when lala went down on ariana in the car with sandoval driving which like yes but i don't again i don't think that's what katie meant like we're not talking about them fucking on the dance floor. They were dancing. Like, so that's what she's referring to. Anyways. Um, and Jane and Allie's like, I wouldn't tell Ariana right now, you know, et cetera. I, you know, maybe go talk to Sheena because she's close friends with Ariana. And then James goes, and you know, she loves gossip. She'll fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, yeah, very true. Um, we go to Katie, Ariana and LVP looking at the space for something about her. Um, and they've signed the lease and they've, you know, they're, everything's sort of getting in place there. LVP and LVP is basically advising them, like, make sure to budget everything because, you know, every day that goes by now, it costs you money. Dan Wolden Schwartz. Um, I, I mean, Ariana, and, uh, both of them are intimately aware of oh, how much it costs. I'm sure. Um, and uh, Ariana talks about how they're putting their own money into it, but they're also getting investors. And, and, they're putting their money into it to show to investors that they're serious, but also they don't want to drain their bank accounts necessarily. Right. Um, <laughs> like when Ariana was talking about that, I was like, hmm, what is it that drains your bank account right now? Yeah. Well, it's not, in fairness, is it draining their bank account or is it draining his, uh, his, her maybe I'm, mother-in-law's bank account? Who knows? Let's be real. Um, they tell LLVP about what happened with Oliver um and lvp's like what like i know for a fact he's separated which goes back to when they were in vegas and and lvp was like no he's separated he's fine lvp is always producing but also it goes back to the conversation that she had with garcelle and oliver last episode that he said no he is and garcelle was with him and like basically co-signed that yeah and so i trust garcelle that's true i i I understand that um lvp also says like look i don't want to judge anyone when no one in this group has showed exemplary behavior which sure yeah um and then lvp and ariana like well i'll take that back katie has never never dalliance has never like swayed she has been the most like Perfect person on this cast For the, yeah. as far as relationship behavior. There we go. I would say. And LVP and Ariana are both kind of uh, also agreeing. Like, you know, I also don't like it's going on Raquel and like Raquel did nothing wrong in this situation with Oliver. And Katie has a look on her face like, mm. and Katie's like, nah, she sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, LVP's like, D- like, I understand you have your issues with her. Don't let it cloud what the facts are of the situation. And Katie goes, oh, she's a hoe. I don't like her. 
And LVP's like, no, Katie. And, and Katie goes, listen, I'm a hoe too. It's fine. <laughs> and LVP's like, I mean, you've had sex twice in like the last year. And then LVP has to be like, and Katie's like, what? And LVP's like, no, oh, oh, with two people. You've had it more than <laughs> Then she goes, yeah, it's been a lot more than twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good for you, Katie. I love you. <laughs> um, James and Lala meet up for lunch. Um, and James, we find out that James is playing the Imagine Fest in Atlanta, which apparently is like a thirty to 50000 Like, Apparently it's a big deal for like DJing and stuff like that. And he's opening for Cascade. I just which... found that funny because they they show the poster and Cascade's like there's like 80 million people on this poster sure. and Cascade's all the way up on the top line. And then James is like down like in little bitty letters, you know, like down in the bottom three quarter, third quarter of the page or something. Right. And it's like, girl, you're not opening for Cascade. You're just on the same festival that Cascade's in. But apparently it's a big, important festival. And I mean, like, that's fine, but, like, don't oversell it. Sure, but he's excited about it, clearly. Like, and and he's, you know, really happy that he's getting the opportunity. And good for him. Like, I think his music is not bad. Like, it's good. Yeah. So, I mean, fine. If you can stand listening to him rap on something, great. Go listen to his music. Yeah. So, and I also love, so they order, they both order taco salad. There was a stupid moment, but like they both order taco salads and James is like, yeah, Ali introduced me to taco salads, <laughs> like at, <laughs> at Mencino Farms or whatever the fuck. Like, oh God. Jeez. And, and, La, and then, so Lala basically says like, I really like Ali. And, you know, I also really love the fact that if, if there's actually something happening in her brain <laughs> and like Raquel basically calls Raquel like a robotic Stepford wife, which not wrong, I mean, but this is, I do agree with her. Like, that's why I like Allie. Allie n- knows where she is. She's not naive to James or anyone else. She's smart. I think she blends into the group really well. Like I, I think she can sustain herself. I don't get the same vibes that I got from Raquel. Yeah. No, even not at all. Goings. Um, James basically is like, you know, yeah, I know you have your issues with Raquel, but like Raquel, you know, sort of proved herself and, and that, so you can just let it go. You know, I mean, everyone in this group, you know, has an ego the size of my cock and Lala goes so small <laughs> and she's like, well, I came twice, came back twice. So returning customer, I guess, you know, it's fine. Yeah. James, I, someone was tweeting. I like when James and Lala are on the same page. Yeah. They have a good friendship. Um, People think maybe they shouldn't be together. They should be the ones to be together. I don't know. I about think that. that they're toxic together. Yeah. I think that they're toxic together as more than friends. I think it's a I think people who say that say it from it from a perspective that they think Lala can like fix James. Because at the end of the day, Lala and James are two sides of the same coin, which means that they're hardly ever going to be like like with a coin, you hardly ever get it to where both sides are right. Yeah. Both sides are up. It's very hard to get it to stand on its edge. Right now, it happens to be. But it's going to fall one way or another. Yeah. So, um, J- James also suggests, like, oh, let's all get do, like, a get-together at uh, Hermosa Beach. And I'm going to invite everyone, you know, because I used to not get invited to shit back in the day. So, I don't like it when that happened to me. So, I'm going to be open. Growth. 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 <laughs> um, and, like, you know... I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I don't have to worry about Raquel anymore. You know, she sorts his problem out as he c- continues talking about Raquel and Schwartz. Oh God. It's a lot. 
Um, we go to the doctor's office and we just immediately, the first five seconds, Sandoval walks in into the front desk and goes, hi, I'm here for my jizz results. That poor fucking uh, That's literally sexual lady. harassment. It literally, like, li- she's like no cells in. It's like, like the, she's not, she doesn't laugh. Nothing. She's like, okay. And it's like, it's like, really, dude? I mean, at least Schwartz said, dude, you can't say that. Yeah, but he right. did it with a smile on his face. Like, it was like, ugh. Yeah, but we've discussed he does the smile when he's uncomfortable. Sure. Like, Sandoval, like, that's, that's the thing. I really feel like even if the stuff didn't break in February about everything and when Tom and Ariana broke up, Sandoval's still an asshole. Yeah. Like, he, like just watching this season, it's like, God, you're terrible. Why did but, anyone ever like you? But honestly, like they have done flashbacks from earlier seasons and it's like, dude, you were always this guy. Yeah. When, why did we ever think you were anything other than this? <sighs> it's, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, and then he's thanking Schwartz for coming to his appointment thing because Ariana couldn't be here because her grandmother has passed away and she's going to obviously be with her grandmother, which apparently Sandoval can't do. Why wasn't he with her? He was too busy doing what we find out about in a minute. Well, also, uh, well, that's also, so I forgot where we learned. I think it was maybe Sheena said this. I can't remember. And after, like, in recent months, that when Ariana told Sandoval her grandmother died, it was when Sandoval was at Sheena's house for that pool party or whatever, that, like, she had the vlog where they were, and Raquel was there as well, and he claimed that he couldn't leave because he couldn't get an Uber. He's a piece of shit. I hate this man. Like, mm. what the literal fuck? Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. I do I, not get it. I hate this. Um, we find out from the doctor that uh, <laughs> I just wrote Sandoval sperm ain't normal. <laughs> That's literally what I wrote. Apparently, like, there's enough of it, but like the morphology is low or whatever. Also, I didn't need to know that he comes twice as, mo- as much as normal i didn't Apparently, need to it know doesn't that. matter to ariana we've found out that she i mean we've known from past seasons that he doesn't really well i mean that tracks though he he's you know focused on getting himself there apparently twice as much as he as other men and enough to where he's not getting her there at all yeah did you notice also when like the doctor's like describing about like what needs to be done to sort of help with the morphology or whatever and he's like you know obviously cut back on drinking you know, no wearing of like too tight of clothes. And he goes like drugs and Schwartz like chuckles as if to be like, <laughs> I think, yeah, but I think they're talking about pot. I, I don't know if they're talking about pot. I'm, I'm a, sure at the end of this episode, that did not look like pot, but it looked like something. No, but pot's definitely on the list of things that is done by this entire cast. Sure. And he FaceTimes Ariana and she's, you know, emotionally exhausted and all that. It's just like, ugh. I'm, I'm, mm. we go to Sheena and Allie as they're getting tacos and margaritas at this like arcade place uh, for lunch. Um, Sheena's like, I'm so thankful that Raquel is okay with us hanging out and there's no like real issue. And they cut to Sheena and Raquel talking about uh, Allie. And she's like, yeah, I like Allie. You know, it's funny. James told me that Allie told him I was her favorite. Raquel says this. And then they cut to Allie. In her confessional being like, you know, or no, no, I think this was to Sheena. She says, 
I mean, we can be cordial and get along, but I don't really see us being besties. Yeah. So clearly, like, either James told Raquel something or, like, yeah. Um, Allie, and all he's like, I just don't get it. Like, it's not, you know, normally in my daily life, it's not normal to see an ex this often. But, like, the way this friend group goes, it's just, like, every fucking time, like... Well, I mean, yeah, you can't avoid exes in this group. Like, we've said it a million times. This group is so fucking incestuous. Like, you can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, Allie then brings up this, the whole stuff with at the Abbey to Sheena and what Katie said about it. And basically that, like, and I think Allie even said, I told this to James and James said, it sounds like Katie's saying they have an open relationship. And Sheena heard that as, Katie said they had an open relationship. Right. Out of her mouth. Right. And Sheena's just like, they are my best friends, and that would be the first time hearing of it. The, Kate, the fact that Katie is putting that out into the world is disgusting. And I literally had to do a double take. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Sheena is just, again, hopefully, like, Sheena needs a lot of, I know she apologized to Katie seemingly now, but, like, she needs a lot of apologies. She needs to go back through this whole season and take notes on the things she did wrong. Yeah. And like, learn. Well, well, also, this awkward moment. So, like, Ali asked, like, would you be comfortable if Brock was at the Abbey dancing with Raquel at 1 p.m.? And she's like, you know, I would be totally comfortable with it. You know, Brock and Sandoval are, like, big brothers to Raquel. You know, I would trust Brock in the same bed with her. Not anymore, you wouldn't. No, but, like, but that also explains, like, the whole, like, when Lala like saw them in the bed together under sheets, but didn't like think it also explains why Sheena immediately when the rumors of Brock and Raquel came out, why she immediately was like, okay, I'm talking to Brock. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a tough conversation. Credit to (laughs) Sheena for that. As much as I shit on Sheena, like at least she was like, you know, we're going to talk about this. I'm not just going to believe you immediately. Yeah. Um, but, and Sheena's like, you know, I just feel like the girls are all looking for something wrong in Raquel and it's all mean girl. She, she doesn't say this, but it's like, it's essentially doing the whole mean girl stick with them. And Sheena's like, you know, just to let you know, Allie, I'm, you know, as soon as we get to the beach, I'm immediately beelining to Sandoval and telling him like, that's exactly how she phrased it. It's like, okay, Sheena. Um, then we go to the beach day. Um, Schwartz, Brock and James are playing like catch football or whatever. And like failing, like. Just a compilation of James like getting hit in the throat and like <laughs> that 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 made my inner sadist happy. Yeah, um, Allie uh, and uh, Allie introduces herself to Charlie because this is the first time they're meeting, and Charlie is like, you know, you know, how's everything going with like being with James and stuff like that? And Allie's like, you know, yeah, it's good. Like if Raquel's good with everything, everything's good. And Raquel's like, yeah, I really like you. You know, I see a lot in you. And, you know, you'll, you'll learn your lessons, you know, in time. This is the part where I'm like, okay, this is like the fifth or sixth time someone's told Allie this. You can lay off a little bit. Like, yeah. This is getting a little, like, overdone. At this point, they've been together since literally three weeks after the last reunion layoff. And it'd be one thing, it would be one thing if Allie was, like, coming off dumb or coming off naive to things, but she's not. Yeah. So, like, leave her alone. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Lala and Katie show up with Satchel and the Don. Uh, the, I hate the, the, we've, we've talked about this. I know, but it irritates me every time he's on the screen. But these two poor men, this whole episode, they were like victims in this whole scenario of like everything that plays out. They're just like sitting there like, okay, 
you know, <laughs> like like they didn't say a word. And I just like did t- kind of wish that Satchel had spoke up a little bit later with Tom Sandoval. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Just I- because Katie is coming out of a twelve year relationship of a man who never stood up for her. And I guarantee you he knows that. I understand it's harder when you're new to the group and you don't really know everything. And, like, you don't have, like, the facts necessarily to, like, speak that. But, like... But he didn't need to do that. All he needed to go was, hey... Lay off. Lay off. There's no need to talk to her like that. I agree. I, I, I think... I, I... Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. Um, Swartz uh, introduces himself to Satchel... And basically says that like I wasn't what uh what was Satchel wasn't in my hypotheticals about like who Katie was dating. And Swartz then says hi to Katie, and Katie's like hi, but basically pays Swartz dust again. And Swartz <laughs> is just like so oh, entertaining. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And then Swartz then makes this me- like talks about like visualizing Satchel with her in bed, like with the dogs, and he's like blaming them for this visualization. He it's like what he okay. He's a child. Yeah. So then Sheena then immediately talks to Sandoval, as she promised she would do. And and she tells uh, him about what Allie told her. And then she, like, Sheena says that, like, Katie, Sheena specifically says, Katie said Raquel is now going after Sandoval. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. When, the, the, like, she did not say those words. I, I mean, at this point, Sheena has now morphed it inside of her own head. Yeah. She's played, she has gone from playing telephone, from pulling it from um, Allie. Yeah. To now playing telephone with herself several times to get it to where it was before she spoke it out again to, <laughs> to Sandoval. It's like, what are you doing, girl? And Sandoval, of course, says, dude, this is so ridiculous. Like, the, try to take Raquel down like this. And, like, at the fucking Abbey, we know everybody there. It's not a place where I would take a secret fucking rendezvous. And we, I noticed, if we were wondering if there was post-editing on these episodes. But, like, Sandoval says this, and there's a rim shot? Like there's, of, it's like a fucking comedy show. It's like, what are we doing? But also, like, so that, also what he says about, like, you know, I wouldn't put her out in public. Basically, he's like, we were in public dancing or whatever, so it's like clearly we weren't fucking. This tells me that this was intentional. The lightning bolt necklaces, the dressing up in the Halloween costumes, all, the showing up in the front row of the shows yep. was all fucking intentional as a way to say, I mean, if I would fuck her, I would do, wouldn't do it so publicly. Right. It, it was all a fucking game. It's, ugh. Um, you know, and then Sandoval's like, you know, what Katie's saying is insulting to me and Ariana. How is this insulting to Ariana? Mm. Whatever. Don't speak for Ariana. How, how is there, like, how is being in an open relationship an insult? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, but, if that's what the situation was, then great. Fine. But, that's lovely. No, if that works for y'all, that works for y'all. But how... Her like, saying we're in an open relationship is so insulting to the both of us. Cut to the Howie Mandel podcast where he's like, we were just friends pretending for the cameras. Right. That's not insulting? Right. Like, shut up, dude. He's the worst. Um, 
Sandoval and, and then Sandoval makes a joke of like, we're not in an open relationship, but you know what? I did want to talk to you and Brock about maybe getting to get like makes a joke about it, which he did last episode with Schwartz about Katie. There has been several jokes like this and it's, it's not just funny. It's all part of the, it's all part of the cover up. Yeah. Cause if he's joking about it, he can't possibly be guilty. Yeah. I fucking mean, hate him. It's so crazy, right? Like we'll get to it. Um, so then James is talking with Schwartz and he brings up the fact like, yeah, I'm doing the Imagine Fest or whatever in Atlanta. Like it's a big deal. And Schwartz is like, oh yeah, that's really big. Is it bigger than Rachella? <laughs> Which was the proposal last year at right. Coachella between James and, and, uh, Raquel and James is pissed. I get why he's pissed. We'll talk. I mean, it, it builds to a way that I think is a little intense. But I get why James is pissed, and it is a dickhead thing for Schwartz to say. It is, but I think that it maybe warranted that scathing look out of the corner of his eye, well, and that's about it. Well, we'll say so. James is James is pissed about it. You know, he's like he's taking one of the lowest moments from last year and lumping it into uh, my biggest accomplishment. What a fucking demented piece of shit! I can't do. I had I nailed the James impression so good a couple weeks ago. I can't do did it now. You, did you? Wow! Thanks, babe. You're welcome. <laughs> Look, if you can't keep your husband, you know, honest on things, who can yeah. you keep honest? Well, and then he goes, you make the stupid jokes on the side. Take a look at your own fucking life. And then Raquel's like, well, what's wrong with Swartz's life? And James goes, I mean, this guy hasn't even opened up his bar in the middle of Silver Lake in fucking Poop Hole Village. <laughs> James says, James, as problematic and terrible as he is, says the funniest shit sometimes. He is so fucking hilarious. Uh, and then, and so then he gets mad and then he throws his drink in Schwartz's face. And Which like, he then later says on Watch What Happens Live this week, I was a gentleman. I poured half of it out in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, I don't think it warranted it for the fight. Part of me, though, as someone who's been really annoyed with Schwartz this last couple episodes in terms of the Katie stuff, it was satisfying. It was satisfying. Because, Even if it was for the wrong reasons. Because he's deserved this and more as a, um, as a, um, for whatever, for the laundry list of things that he's done. Sure. It's not even just like the one thing, but you know, you start doing all this little shit and it adds up Yeah, and you got to get a beer in the face. And, and, you know, the, Katie, probably from seven years ago, was just like revenge like, <laughs> for pouring that fucking beer on my head. Um, and then, yeah, so and James then keeps going. Uh, he's like, you know, what was your proposal again? You did your proposal at Rockin' Riley's on Sunset, you fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> he's so funny. And Char Char Charlie was hilarious also in the scene, too, because at one point Charlie's with Allie and just goes, Let's go see the water. I love the water. And we just walk off. <laughs> that was the new. Has everybody tried the chicken? The chicken is lovely. Yeah. And then, so James is still hyped. And Schwartz, and this is exactly how Schwartz says it. He goes, James, do not do that again. If you ever do that again, I will put you in a headlock. And that's the, keep it, I'm saying this for a reason. That's the tone of the of voice Schwartz says this, right? Of, of, of being upset. He's upset. But that's the tone in which he delivers that to James. Keep that in mind for later. Just saying. Um, and then Allie's talking to Charlie and, you know, like James is so wrong for this. And he's assured me even before this, like, oh, I'm not mad at Schwartz. You know, I, you know, it's, it's not a big deal or whatever. Well, clearly it fucking is. 
And Ali in the confessional is like, it's just so hard to believe that he's moved on when you see his actions, even when he says his words. It's like, get over it. Or don't get over it. But then don't have a new girlfriend. Yeah. Like, that's where I'm like, Ali, this is why I like Ali. Like, Ali is like, this is bullshit. It, Come on. And it, and it sucks for her that she's going through this. And it's just like, girl. But I also think, I think it's going to, while their while their personalities aren't the same, I get a lot of Britney vibes from Allie in the sense that I feel like the group and the girls are going to rally behind her and sort of being like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a dickhead to you, but we like you. Like, you're our yeah. friend. Like, so don't worry about like, yeah, you know, I feel like that's what's going to happen. If James ever steals sunglasses and gives them to her, they'll be on her side. Yeah. And they won't bail him out of jail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> James is still ranting and he's like, you know, it's about her, my stupid engagement. And, you know, I wish I could take it all back or whatever. And Raquel's like, uh. Um, Schwartz, that was such a fucking nasty thing to say. It is. Yeah. That was, that was uncalled for. Like, far be it for me to defend Raquel. But, like, that, that was fucking shitty. It doesn't matter who the fuck Raquel is. Like, at the time, you fucking loved her and you wanted to spend the rest of your life with her. Yeah. Stop being a fucking dick. He's a, yeah, he is being a dick. Um, Schwartz is like, I'm taking my apology back. I thought it was a funny joke. I stand by it. And then this is when Lala gets in and Lala's like, it's not just a, kind of stands up for James. And it's like, it's not just a joke. It's because the two of you acted like a damn fool at Sheena's wedding. And then I love that. Like as Lala says this and Sandoval's like, I mean, come on, we got two single people. And before he can even get the sentence out, Lala goes, fuck off, Sandoval. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he popped up to do his rehearsed line. Yeah. I mean, honestly, in that regard, him and Raquel are perfect for each other because neither of them have had a single word come out of their mouth that's not rehearsed to uh, hell. He, we get a monologue later, which... Um, and Sandoval, you know, you, you know, Lala's like, would you like it if Ariana, you know, helped or... Um, if would Ariana like it if you hooked up with like Christina Kelly or whatever and made out with her? And he's and he's like, I mean, if Ariana and me broke me broke up, I I would be fine with Ariana making out with whoever she wanted to. Yeah. The key is to break up, which, uh. which you don't have the balls to do. And Lala goes, I mean, that makes sense because you were bumping peepees with Ariana when you were still with Kristen. Which there's technically no evidence. No, of. well, they made out at the Golden Nugget famously from that conversation with Stasi. But also I think here's the thing. People love to bring this up and to me, like blame Ariana for this whole situation and be like, Oh, she lost him. How he got, how she got him or whatever. One, I don't think Sandoval was telling Ariana the full story of where he was with Kristen and that things were so toxic and they had broken up and got together multiple times, even according to Kristen's whole own account. Well, right. And Oh, Oh, that's why he's telling this story because he knows that this exact story is what he told with what happened with Kristen. And while it was true with yeah. Kristen, it's lie now. 1000%. And he knew people were on his side back then. So he's recycling this shit. Holy fuck. It's the same shit. There was, yeah, it's the same. He doesn't have new material. He does not. Like he knows how to shit on a woman and it's the same script every fucking time. And then it was so stupid. He, he retort, tries to retort to Lala and be like, you know, Kristen was fucking James after uh, we broke up in my apartment. Yeah, Sandoval. And you were fucking mad about it. You complained about it at the fucking reunion. What's your fucking point? So you're allowed to be mad about that, but Katie's not allowed to be mad about this. Right. Make it make fucking sense. <sighs> Idiot. 
And then Schwartz and James like j- like make up at one point at the end. And he's like, yeah, it was a bad joke. And they just shake hands. It's like, whatever. Dudes. Um, and then, oh, and then Schwartz goes like, yeah, it was a bad joke. But when you dig a little deeper, I mean, him and Raquel's breakup was still pretty fresh. The someone point like the fact that he can acknowledge that the James breakup with Raquel was fresh, but not that your breakup with Katie is the same amount of bre- fresh. You broke up around the same. Actually, actually, no, your and Katie's is fresher. It's literally fresher. And you were also together twice the length of time. They were together six years. Y'all were together 12. But the fact that he can, like, this is the misogyny we're talking about on this show. He can find the way to understand it in James's case, but cannot in Katie's for right. whatever fucking because reason. Because James is a man. Yeah, 1,000%. Um, and Lala's like, I'm done with this shit. Let's go the Don. <laughs> she's like, she's a, yeah. This is why an article in your name doesn't work. It's bad. So Lala and Katie and, and them go to a bar, essentially. Um, Allie comes back to the group and, and James, and James is like, uh, everything good. And she's like, I'm good. You're not good. (laughs) (laughs) And James is like, well, no, I'm good. I mean, how about asking me if I'm okay? (laughs) It's like, okay, James, like, and you know, he's like, he'll never make a joke like that again. And Allie's like, the way you acted was a joke. Yeah. Like, and then it's just a real awkward pause. And then Charlie goes, I'm actually going to skedaddle. I have to go to work. Charlie was like comedic relief in this. It was perfect. Um, they then go to, then they all go to this bar to get drinks because they, Lala had texted Christina, Hey, we're at this white, the white building, come to the bar. But everyone came with Christina and Katie's like, we didn't want that. We wanted to get away from these fucking monsters. Like, <laughs> and so they're all sitting at this like big giant, like space area, um, ordering appetizers and drinks and stuff like that. And Schwartz starts waving at Katie from the other end, or waving at Satchel. And he's like, hi, Satchel. And Allie makes this face of just like, really? <laughs> it, it was so fucking funny. <laughs> and he's like, hi. And Katie's like, I already said hi to you earlier. Like, and uh, Schwartz is like, you don't have to put on this air. And Katie's like, it's not an air. I already told you I don't fuck with you anymore. It's not that fucking hard. Yeah. You lost. But notice, so Swartz then, like, does the wave to try to poke at her or whatever to get right. her attention. And then when he, she doesn't bite, he then starts whispering to Sandoval, I mean, she really holds a grudge, huh? I'm so happy I'm not with her anymore. I'm so happy I'm not with Katie. Good God, I do not miss her in any way, shape, or form. Then why did you say anything? Then leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. He's an idiot. He, ugh. I'm so over him. Um, Schwartz then apologizes to Raquel and James about what happened on the beach. Um, and James is like, I don't want to talk about this with me or Raquel. (laughs) Makes Raquel leave. Um, and then James is like talking about how it upset him in his confessional. And he starts crying in the confessional about being like, you know, it just feels like no one's ever happy for me. And just, everyone just throws digs at me. I think you were talking about when he was crying, you're like, oh, you sound so much like Sheena right now. But I think there's a difference. I think the tears are real. I agree. Um, it was just funny because he like was crying. He's been crying a lot lately. Sure, but um, but I I I don't know. I, I think just... the tears are real, but I don't think he understands why he's crying. Yes, yeah, that's that's what it is. I think like and and I you know James is terrible. <laughs> like, but I tend to give James maybe a little more of the benefit of the doubt because at least I know why he's terrible. Like. 
clearly with his upbringing and like all the fuck, like he didn't, he was not raised right. No. And it's manifesting in like really toxic ways. So I can understand, he's a child. He still acts like a child. Yep. And like that comes out. Like, you know, he needs to fix it, but like, you know. Uh, and then James is still like, you know, it wasn't okay with the joke or whatever. And Schwartz is like, I can be a little callous, but I'm a nice guy. As, as Lala walks in and pulls, Lala walks in as he says this and pulls the face like, huh? <laughs> and then James is like, well, back me up, Lala, back me up. And, J- and Lala's like, I am on your side. But, and then he goes, no buts, no buts, no, 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 no buts. And he's like, and she's like, no, I'm saying but to like add to what your point is. And then Swart, uh, Swartz is like, look, me and him, you know, you know, in this whole thing, we're even. And Lala gets set off and is like, you are so far from even. You need like a punch in the face right now. <laughs> uh, Lala is. Uh, yeah. And then Lala, I love her. And then Lala basically is like. It's like talking to a confessional, like, you know, I have a lot of feelings about Schwartz. I resent him for hanging out with Randall and for what he's done to Katie. And then, you know, I see through his whole like little basset hound. I'm nervous with my fingers in my mouth. Can't talk. Fuck you, dog. <laughs> Lala, again, whether it's Raquel, whether it's Schwartz, I feel like she can read a fucker down. Like and no business. Lala and Ariana have had Schwartz's number for a while. Yeah. So notice, remember when I said before about how, you know, Schwartz was upset about, you know, being, having the drink thrown in his face by James, but like was able to very calmly, but sternly say like, you do this again and I will put you in a headlock. Lala basically is like, you, you, everything that did to Katie, you're not fucking clean on this. And what does Schwartz immediately do? Oh my God, you're the personification of a sponsored post. You're the corniest human being in this entire place. Give them Lala. Who is Lala? I'm a thousand times the human being you will ever be. And I also noted when he was doing this, he was also leaning over her and pointing down with his finger in her face. It's like you can, like he's literally trying to belittle her. Like physically trying to make her shrink. and, And again, I will say this with my full fucking chest. He only fucking does this to women. I've never seen him do it to anybody that's not. He a never woman. even did it. Like what he did to Sandoval, fucking last episode in Lisa's house, wasn't even matched by what he he's doing here. And there was also a uh, a bonus scene that's in because they put po- some Bravo airs like the episodes where they add like the extra scenes. And Sandoval comes back into the room afterwards after he storms off in LVP's home, and then Schwartz immediately capitulates. Jesus Christ! Like, oh, it's so fucking shitty. But like he's yeah he's he, like you say he's pointing over her and is like you, you I'm a thousand times the human being you'll ever be go get some more Botox and plastic surgery and like shitting on her so and but this is why I love Lala. like he goes away or whatever Lala then follows him <laughs> to this other table she's like I'm not fucking done and he go, and literally she goes <laughs> let me break it down for you real quick call me when you have a business and I was like oh shit. <laughs> She goes, you're broke, you're a fucking loser, you're 40 years old, look at yourself, you're a fucking slob. It's so good. And then uh, Swartz being like, oh, you're a bootleg housewife, look at those lips, ugh. Ugh, he's such a pig. And, and it's like, you, like, Lala's like, what I've been through in the last year would have put you in a fucking grave. Like, like, 
Don't you shit on me. Don't you shit on my business. That's the shit that puts food in my kid's fucking mouth, you fucking asshole, you piece of shit. And she walks off and Schwartz is like, you're a great mom. <laughs> and then just, Lala, come back. And then starts shoving wings in his mouth. Like, he, Lala, uh, he is an ass. Like, Schwartz, this is his worst season. I was talking about it, um... Like we, I feel like the reunion is going to be great in terms of the scandal stuff. I'm sure Tom is going to get reamed. I'm sure that Raquel is going to get reamed. I really hope that we don't lose sight and Andy doesn't lose sight at the reunion of holding Swartz accountable. Oh yeah, for this shit because he is like, it's bad. It is really fucking bad. And he like so Sandoval then comes over um, later and he's like, you know, I just feel like I've had this bad feeling about Lala since that text that she sent me in the beginning of the season. You know, it just rubbed me the wrong way. She's like a one-dimensional human being. And then Sandoval says, well, I mean, it's not her real name. That's a start. Work on that with a therapist. At this point, I don't care about the Rachel stuff anymore. Like, like you're <laughs> fucking a girl with a different name too, asshole. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, I mean, we haven't brought it up on the podcast. You, you have thoughts about the whole I have Rachel thoughts thing. about the whole Rachel thing, and I'll try to keep it really, really, really tight. So when you deny somebody the use of their chosen name, I've just because they irritate you or just because they have done something bad, that tells me that you do not actually respect the choice for a trans person to choose a, a new name because it's the same people that at the beginning of when Caitlyn Jenner came out, they were calling her by her dead name just because she was an awful Republican. Yeah. And because she was so anti-trans for the whole rest of the community. It's kind of like the same. It's argument like, people, that's not okay. It's kind of like the same argument people make about like, you know, like we shouldn't make jokes about like Lindsey Graham being gay or whatever. That right. Like, yeah, but, I get that logic. But at the same time, like, we're not making fun of Lindsey Graham for being gay. It's the hypocrisy. It's We're making fun of him for the hypocrisy. So, but, now, if Lala was making fun of Raquel for using a stage name, that's hypocrisy. Yeah. That's a problem. What Sandoval is doing right now is, is hypocrisy. hypocrisy. And at this point, I will make fun of Sandoval for that, but I'm not going to make fun of Raquel for it. And I will continue to use the name Raquel and honestly, I'm going to look sideways at you if you are using the name Rachel, because that's not the name that she's chosen to use. It is hard, I will say, because I have, I, I literally have had moments where I've accidentally said it just because I've seen yeah. so many TikToks well, and like shit. I, I see them too. And it's really like, it's really hard because they'll be making a great point and then they use not her name. Yeah. Don't and shit it's on, like, don't shit on her. Don't shit on her for someone who moved to West Hollywood for like putting on a, either a stage name or whatever. Like shit everyone on her, does it. Shit on her for claiming that she's going to a mental health facility when she's going to a spa. Do yeah, that. That. That's fine. Like absolutely, that's valid. But choosing to change your name, most people in Hollywood are not going by the names they were born with. Sure. So like, it's not okay to. Not shit on her for it just because you don't like her. Not everyone can get the name Satchel at birth. You it's know, just, yeah. not everyone's that cool. Um, so I love this really intense moment happens, and then they cut back to the big table where everyone's sitting, and then we just see James poke himself in the eye with the, the straw, which I guess had, like, alcohol, and he's, like, it's burning and, like, runs off and starts screaming and crying. And so <laughs> what I found hilarious about this was immediately as he's running off and Sandoval, like, goes with him to the bathroom to 
help him or whatever. Then they call over one of the the waitress, the waitress and they're like, "What's this in the middle here? It's water." Because they thought it was like uh, one fifty one. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, it's just water." I, I mean, I'm sure that there was like a drop of alcohol on the straw that he put in there from the drink that he yeah. pulled it from. Then it flipped out. I'm sure he actually did have alcohol in his eye that was burning. But I absolutely believe he overreacted. I yeah. don't think it burned that bad. Yeah. Well, and so James in his confessional is like, I mean, after like throwing the drink in Schwartz's face earlier, it's like karma's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love that James going to be like, yeah, I, I deserve that. But then he uh, goes back and Christina and Allie are just like, yeah, they told us it was like decor or whatever. It's just water. And James gets real mad. and He's like, I'm not a pussy. Yeah, I heard you laughing, by the way, Allie, when I was calling for you. And Allie gets fed up and she's just like, no one wants to see you make a fool of yourself. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> it's like, yes, Allie. You tell him. Uh, the way, like, he, she is the anti-Raquel. She yeah. really is just like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's <laughs> so good. Um, she's Sheena, really the breath of fresh air that this cast needed. Yeah. She, so then Sheena asked Lala about her thoughts on the Oliver stuff. I don't know why Sheena asked this, but it's to bring up the discussion. And Lala basically reiterates again, like Raquel's not a mistress. She's not a homewrecker based on the Oliver stuff. Right. She in this situation. Yeah. And then Raquel then is like, Hey Katie, I just wanted to uh, bring something up to you. I just don't think making out with people considers me a whore. And I found that really offensive or whatever. Fuck. And Katie, this is where it was annoying. Katie then says like, Look, I feel like I gave you an opportunity to prove to me uh, that you're not that person when it came to all this. And then Sandoval, drunk, quote unquote, maybe other substances, is like, oh, we have to prove things to you, huh? And, and Katie's like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, like, and then he's like, oh, really? Because here's the thing. Ariana's is not very happy with you right now. What? Did you... Wh- Either he like either you're pulling that out of your ass because why the fuck would Ariana be mad when you just found out about this whole thing like Kate, of the whole Katie thing, right? Or did you text her? Did you text Kate Ariana in that moment? Which if so, you're an asshole, right? Why are you like saying anything about this to her right now? Like wait till she gets home. Yeah, and he's like, you know, you're going around saying we have an open relationship, blah, 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 etc. You know, that we're going out to the Abbey at 1 a.m. dancing. And it's like, and Lala's like, yeah, that's what Ali said, that she spotted you guys at, one, at the Abbey at 1 a.m. And she thought it was weird. And then we get a cut to Sandoval's confessional. And we see the producer ask him straight up. This is the most diabolical thing. You know. Did anything, has anything physical ever happened between you and Raquel? And he, as he's asking this, he has got the biggest fucking toothy smile on his face. But with dead fucking eyes. And he's like, no. Nothing has happened between Raquel and I. Like, like nothing. Like, like no more than, than what would happen between, like, like me and Katie. The man is sick. He is sick in the fucking head. He is a full-blown narcissist. And it is the way that he can just so casually lie like that. It's, it's, you know what he fucking looked like? He looked like the fucking sharks off of fucking Finding Nemo. Very much that. It was, 
it it looked like a fucking predator. And it's like, why the that this is also like you fucked yourself, dude. You have fucked yourself. Why the fuck would we believe anything that comes out of your fucking mouth? Yeah. Anything. You are such, if you're, the way you can such so casually, casually fucking lie like that. We won't get into it because it's spoilers for next week, but they posted a preview clip for next week's episode. And he is so fucking disgusting. He is, I, I, there is nothing worse than what he is exhibiting in terms of like the shit. This is what, like the topic I know came up when Sheena was on Watch What Happens Live of like, is there any redemption for Sandoval? And she's like, no. No. He's not owning anything. He is a fucking full-blown liar. He's a full-blown terrible fucking person. I'm sorry. He's awful. He's fucking awful. Yeah. And, you know, like, he's, yeah. And so I love the, I forgot who it was, but then someone's like, well, then let's bring Allie in here to corroborate. And then Allie stumbles in with James and James is drunk. Like, Hey, like stumbling into this conversation. Um, and then Allie, Katie's like, wait, what? Are, so Allie, what were you saying that I said or whatever? Like, what the fuck? And like, she's like, bring talks about like that. We had this discussion or whatever. And you know, you know, and like, and then you, and then you said, Allie says, you said specifically, if it's not public knowledge, they don't care. And Katie's like, what? I didn't say that. And that's not even what you told everybody else that she said. Like, I don't know why Allie pulled that out. Like, that didn't make, like, again, it was this terrible fucking telephone bullshit that was like, like, but yeah, I don't believe Katie said that. And Katie in her confessional is like, what I said is that Tom and Ariana don't keep each other on leashes and they don't have rules in their relationship. And she's not talking about them. Clearly, she's not talking about them having sex. She's talking about Ariana not waiting up till he gets home at 3 o'clock in the morning and asking him where he was. Allie, this whole start, this whole conversation. Which clearly she needed to be doing because he was out fucking Raquel. Yeah, but this whole conversation started because Allie Allie said they were dancing at 1 a.m. at the Abbey and and Ariana wasn't there. Does that seem weird? And if Katie's response is then, they really don't have rules. I don't know why you would interpret that in a sex realm. Yeah. That, to me, says Ariana doesn't care if Sandoval is dancing with another woman at 1 a.m. when they're friends. Right. I mean, I guess if your brain is already thinking they're having an affair yeah. by looking at that, then I can... I can see the realm where you would make that connection where you would go, oh, they don't have rules. I mean, okay. So I guess she doesn't mind that he's fucking her. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, but still that was a misconception. It was a leap. Like you had to make that leap on your own. Yeah. And then you made leaps for other people and then they continued to make leaps. And then it ended up in this whole other stratosphere which ended up being correct yeah <laughs> somehow up, the the telephone got to the right conclusion it all <laughs> works out at the end of the day um and then katie and her confession was like if tom and ariana do have an open relationship ariana doesn't know about it literally yeah and and then this is where sandoval okay so then sandoval in his fucking you know he's fucking high clearly on something and it's just like 
you know, Katie, you don't take accountability for everything. Like a broken record. This is he always yep. does this with Katie. You don't take accountability for ever anything, even with the divorce. I can't tell you how many times Schwartz would be like, you know, you know, yeah, she's divorcing me. I mean, I fucked up here. I fucked up here. I don't believe that for one fucking second. I don't believe that he owned up anything. I'm sorry. Cut to last episode when he's on the phone with Sandoval being like, I did nothing wrong. Oh, and also cut back to Mexico where he said, I was a fucking amazing husband. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, the humility of Tom Schwartz is really on display this season, please. And, you know, you know, he's like always like, I fucked up here. I fucked up here. When you talk about it, you were like, I was left with no choice. Oh, that that pissed like she you're mad that she's saying that she was left with no choice. And that that means she's not taking accountability. Do we need to play the fucking Howie Mandel interview again? Yeah. You did the exact, you were like, I mean, I just, I had no choice, but to, it was just so magnetic. And like, I wanted to break up with her, but all this stuff was happening. And we, you know, I just, I, I, I just didn't, it was just my mental health. I just had no choice, but to fucking stick my tongue down her throat. Uh-huh. Fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, and Katie calls it out in the confessional and she's like, this is Sandoval's go-to, which is to deflect when the heat gets off of him. And she says like, it's manipulative. It's a hundred percent. And this is why Sandoval never liked Katie. Yep. Because Katie knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. Yep. And then this is where Sandoval's like, look, you shouldn't be with someone for who you want them to be. You should be with someone for who they fucking are. And like storms off. Cut to season three when you got with Ariana and she was very clear that she never wanted to get married and never wanted kids and you kept pestering at her. And now you're blaming her for it for the reason you fucked with her, fucked Raquel behind her back. Yeah, fuck off. But I love he does this big statement and then just storms off and Katie goes, wow, that was profound, Sandoval. (laughs) (laughs) He just goes, bitch, get a life. And Sandoval storms off out of the building because he's so cool. Fucking asshole. That was uh, Vanderpump Rules for this week. Uh, yeah. There, this, it, ooh, this is getting... I, I, I can't wait for the reunion. I can't yeah. fucking wait. It's going to be so fucking good. So good. All right, tops and bottoms, tops and bottoms. We got a lot of people to choose from this week. We got Jersey. We got Survivor. Hey, we even have Cocaine Bear and Power Rangers and Vanderpump Rules. What do we got going on? That bear on? is definitely a top. No, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> that, that bear has definitely got uh, energy through the roof. Um, I'll start with my bottom for this week. My, my bottom's going to go to Danny on Survivor. There was just something that annoyed me, him, like this episode. Yeah. There were t- like his stick. I was like, okay, I can like I didn't have much issue with. It was the stuff with Franny and the stuff he, yeah. the way he was acting at Tribal. I was just like, you're starting to annoy me, and I'm yeah. starting to want you gone. Yeah. Like that's you know, the dude bro is slipping out a yeah. little too much, and so reel that back in. I mean, he's not the worst, but like it was just like okay, guy. Um, my top for the week. I'm going to give it to Allie on Vanderpump Rules. As much as the whole telephone thing was her doing and, and you know, was kind of, you know, not the greatest. But that's just from a, like, I, I didn't like that she did that. But everything else in terms of her attitude, in terms of how she t- doesn't take shit from James, 
in terms of how she's like integrating with the group very naturally. I really like her. I think she could be a really good uh, person on this cast going forward. Like, I think she has a lot of um, uh, wit and is smart and knows how to think through things and kind of has guided herself through the group really well in, in terms of like all these dynamics and sort of like been, a, been an important part. I mean, she was kind of the whistleblower in terms of this whole Sandoval Raquel stuff yeah. in many ways. So credit to her for that. Um, I really like what she's done this season so far. What about you, babe? I'm going to start with my top, um, and I'm actually going to have it be a dual top this week um, with Elizabeth Banks and David Yost. Yay. They got a, got us some really great movies for us to enjoy this week. Um, you know, Elizabeth Banks brought us Cocaine Bear, you know, uh, and like I said, her comedy really stands through. Even though we don't see her on screen, you can definitely, like her vibe and her comedy is palpable uh, in the finished product. Um, I also wanted to shout out David Yost um, for pushing so hard and uh, to get this movie made. And this movie was really made, uh, the Power Rangers movie was really made um, because fans um, were um, activated by David and he really got us to sign petitions and get this made. And so, I mean, this was literally made for the fans. Yeah. Um, and as one of my idols growing up to find out later that he was gay and going through all of this stuff in the background that nobody knew about, even though I really, really related to him growing up, um, is just, he's always going to be an idol to me, um, and someone that I really look up to and respect. So good on him. Um, my bottom is going to... The other cocaine bear we had this week is that was Sandoval. I, we don't know, but like obviously, Sandoval right? can be in our like bottom Hall of Fame. I feel like on the show, yeah. Like we were talking about Carolyn's in our top uh, Hall of Fame last week. Like Sandoval's in the bottom Hall of Fame and um, Hall of Shame. There you go. Um, it's just I, y'all know why he's down there. I mean, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Isn't it obvious? Look it's at the material. Look at the material. Look at the last 10 seasons. Like, it's just, it's pretty damn clear. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.